Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. First issue. Hello, everybody. It is Wednesday, April the 22nd, 2015, and you are listening to the Talking Comics Podcast. I am your host, Bobby Shortle. I'm in the house with Steve Say. Haru. And Mr. Bob Ryer. Welcome back, Steve. Yeah. Uh, he was on the show last week. He wasn't here. I was, but I was quarantined. Nobody knew that, though. Shh. I'm sorry. <laughs> you just ruined sorry. it, Bob. Spoilers. <laughs> Uh, Stephanie is uh, once again uh, a traveling. She's at C2E2 this week. Um, I'm sure she'll regale us. I think she's back next week. No, she's back the week after. Yeah, for just in time for Avengers. Yeah, Avengers Age of Ultron. Yeah, this is her super busy time of year. Yeah, so... What does C2E2 stand for? I do not know. Chicago? Calgary, maybe? I'm just thinking <laughs> of places with, that start with C. Um, I'll get Central on. City. I'm guessing it's like Chicago Comics and Entertainment Expo? That sounds, that sounds good. Pretty I like accurate. that. Yeah. I'm going to guess that's what it means. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to look it up. Just All right. Central City Einstein Exposition. <laughs> uh, yeah. So we are back. Um, and uh, we're going to be talking about, we have a lot of stuff to talk about. A lot of it uh, movie based, I'd say. Um, we had a lot of trailers. Uh, we didn't talk about the Ant-Man trailer last week. Uh, just, I think, in all the Daredevil talk, it just kind of got lost. Um, of course, we've got the Batman v Superman trailer to talk about. We've got the Fantastic Four trailer to talk about. Um, and we're also going to talk about, of course, our books of the week. Um, we've got some big announcements in the Valiant universe as far as uh, yeah. movies go as well. Cool. Um, but before that, I, was it Wednesday? last week that the star wars trailer happened of course it was wednesday of course, right? yes it was there wednesday or thursday i don't remember which I don't one remember. it was wednesday for real thursday probably yeah i don't i don't i think it was thursday because i think batman trailer the real one hit friday it did oh you're right i absolutely right because because i remember in the morning thursday morning the star wars trailer came on and thursday night the batman superman trailer leaked for the first mm. time um so, so yeah, the, the Star Wars The Force Awakens uh, t- teaser came out. Uh, it's, it's not the first, we always saw that like 80 seconds of footage um, back in December, and now we hear a little bit of a longer bit of footage um, about the movie. And, you know, Bob, I think as obviously the person who liked Star Wars first <laughs> before yeah. any of us. <laughs> Uh, and the person who I think is is the most has been the most let down by it as well. What did you think of the Force Awakens teaser? Completely psyched. <laughs> the, you hear the John Williams score. You're looking at desert planets, action sequences that look as if, even though they're all still computerized, they really look practical. Mm-hmm. They look like ships mm-hmm. again. Uh, new characters who are intriguing that I want to learn more about, and that ending i mean i was just smiling the whole way through until i was tearing up at the end <laughs> if, if no one had 
I'm sure there's no one on earth who wanted to see it who hasn't yet. Should I spoil the trailer? Yes, is I'm this... pretty sure the intersection of people who would listen to it. Co- okay. A, 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 a podcast about comic books probably have at least seen the Star Wars. 88 Wars million views yeah. wow. so far. Okay, so uh, no spoilers when I say that seeing Harrison Ford and Chewie standing there and, you know, we're home. Mm-hmm. Come on. Yeah. Uh, awesome. Can't wait. Yeah, I mean, uh, of course, I'm a tremendously huge Star Wars fan, and and, and uh, you know, I, I didn't love the prequels, um, and it, it's been a while. You know, I, I, what, what, what's this movie is something I didn't really think was ever going to happen. Um, I didn't foresee them selling things to Disney. I didn't see a fast track all of a sudden mm-hmm. of all the Star Wars stuff that that, that is coming our way. J.J. Uh, Abrams is one of my favorite filmmakers, one of my favorite creators. So I was, of course. Psyched that he was going to be directing the movie. He's co-writing it with Lawrence Kasdan, so that's there's a lot of good stuff happening yeah. there. And you know, it broke, and I, you know, I very well could have gotten in trouble, but I didn't care at work, so I just, <laughs> it just, you know, I I went online and I loaded it up, put it on the big my, the, my big computer monitor, and just sat back and watched it. And that initial shot, the initial opening shot, uh, it's in the desert and, and it's speeding along, and you're yep. just like, okay, this is just like you know. The Star Wars mm-hmm. desert shot, and then it pans over that little bit more, and then you see the little X-wing down, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden you realize there's this crashed Star Destroyer behind yeah. it, and it, I, I was wowed already. And then it breaks into you know the the kind of normal uh, quick bits throughout the movie. Uh, you know, we have a, a, a voiceover lifted from Return of the Jedi. Uh, to, to fit kind of the trailer and what's going on and we see who we think might be Luke you know we see someone who maybe is Luke's daughter like we're not really yeah. sure we see the hands something like that and then we just see a bunch of action stuff uh, primarily focusing on uh, our two two of our new main characters uh, which I, uh, one of those name is Finn I know that the the, uh, the John Boyanga uh, character's name is Finn I do not remember da- the Daisy Ridley character's name but um, our male, our male and female leads, um, and I, I think that they both, you know, we haven't really even heard them. We haven't even heard them speak yet, and they're. I think they're very captivating just from the way they're running around, the way that the looks they're giving to the camera. I think they're they're mm-hmm. very captivating already. So uh, it looks great. The music obviously great, and that last line is just fantastic. I I knew we were gonna get something of the original cast i didn't know what it was going to be and it was just kind of the perfect way to do it but steve i want to know from you because you're not a big star wars fan you know, i'm not you, you like the movies obviously yes um but you're not a huge fan so uh what did you think of the teaser um i really really loved it i really really loved it i think it looks fantastic i um it's funny i i never had an attachment to the films growing up i always thought that they were entertaining um empire strikes back being my favorite and it was just a thing that, like, I wasn't in on it. Um, same thing with Lord of the Rings, having read, like, oh, I read The Hobbit, I read Lord and never any of that stuff. But, uh, and then the prequels came out, and, like, if you didn't, weren't into it that much before, that really wasn't going to help. <laughs> so these were coming out, and I heard J.J. Abrams, and I'm like, that's cool, but I don't know. And then he announced that he was doing more practical effects, more puppeteering and stuff, and I'm like, ah, well, okay. And then they had the little teaser that came out, and you saw uh, a new droid, it's called BB-8, mm-hmm. roll out. And I'm like, okay, so they're doing some you know, CGI and whatever. And then they had this thing over the weekend, it's a real robot. Mm-hmm. They rolled it out on stage, it moves independently of itself. That 
wowed me to no end that that thing in that trailer is an actual, it's really running across the sand. It's mm-hmm. really moving. So I went into the trailer looking for that stuff and it's everywhere and it's beautiful and it looks really exciting and the characters look intriguing. The world looks really cool and Disney Marvel are behind it. They've done amazing things so far. Uh, I It's one of my most anticipated movies of the year, like hands down, without a doubt. I was squeeing all over the place <laughs> I've never done that for anything <laughs> Star Wars ever. So I'm super pumped. And I'm super pumped for Battlefront as well. Yeah, the game. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it, what, what struck me so much about the trailer is that it looks like Star Wars. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. it it's it's lit the same way. It has that same quality that those original mm-hmm. movies had, obviously in a updated form sure. and there's and it's not a straight copy there are definitely flourishes there like you especially there's a shot where the land falcon is going inside the engine of a, a downed ship and they do kind of that little like Battlestar galactica like zoom uh, you know in, in, into space in, into it and that's not something you'd see in the star wars no. movie obviously that's a, a new technique and something that you, you couldn't even probably do back then so uh there's definitely new stuff going on there but it still feels like it belongs in that universe. Uh, and, and that just yeah. was one of the most impressive things to me. It's epic in mm-hmm. a way that the, the prequels weren't. Mm-hmm. They're so obvious. Look, it was cutting-edge technology, but even at that, there were limitations to it. And as opposed to watching a cast of thousands of people on a set, it's a whole bunch of blips somewhere. And it just yeah. didn't quite work. You never had the feeling you were looking at another planet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now you do again. Yeah. And I love the I love the mystery of it. I love that there are all these little things that like I don't know what they mean. Like what? Why is the empire seemingly so still such a presence in the world this many years after they they were thwarted? You know hmm. what is that giant red banner? You know that logo mean? Like who is this bad guy? What is his deal? You know um, all that kind of stuff. Like why is I, I'm, I'm assuming that the Finn character is undercover as a stormtrooper, or mm-hmm. is he a stormtrooper that defects? Like, we don't know anything. And that's what I think is so interesting about this. And one of the reasons why um, I'm happy that, like, I'm sure we'll get, we're going to get at least two more looks at the movie before it comes out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure we'll get more idea of what the story is as we get closer. But one of the reasons I'm excited about. J.J. Abrams doing it is that this is very much what he likes to do, right? He doesn't like to show you everything in a movie. He likes to try to keep it as secret as possible, as secret as you can when it's a movie like yeah. Star Wars. And I like that. Like, I don't need to know what this story is right now. I don't need to know actually before the movie, movie comes out what the story is about. Yeah. I just need to know that it's Star Wars, it looks like this, and I, I yeah. want to go see show it. Show me the tone of it. Yeah, And exactly. that's what you're getting right here. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. I am uh, super pumped to see John uh, Boyega in another movie. Yeah. I haven't seen him in anything since Attack the Block. Yeah, I can't think of anything either. He was awesome was great. as Moses movie. in that movie. Mm. And I, I always wanted to see him go somewhere. And then it's funny, the next time that he pops up in that first trailer, when he just comes up into frame, yeah. I was like, what? <laughs> so it's really cool to see him going places. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and uh, you know, I, I don't remember the name of the planet because I, I just, but that planet that they're on, the sand planet is not... Tatooine, it's no. something else. I don't remember the name of the planet, but... I only know two planets. <laughs> Hoth and yeah. Tatooine, and that's it. Yeah, Endor, yeah. come on! I'll write Endor, the Wookiee you know planet. Endor. I want to party with the Wookiees. <laughs> the Wookiees? Ewoks. Not Ewoks. Wookiees. Well, both of them. Come on. Ewoks know, and Wookiees. You don't want to party with Wookiees. Wookiees would be Why would bit... you want to hang out with the Wookiees, man? Because they know how to drink. Because I think because if you lose, if you beat them in chess, they're going to rip your arms off. Yes. Ah, yeah. <laughs> that's just a rumor. <laughs> 
that isn't something I want to happen to me. They love me. I got really nice shampoo at home. I can give them. You walk just do like their, you know, they're like yumba yumba dance or whatever, and then <laughs> oh, just stop reminding me. <laughs> Halfway in, through, hit you Jedi. In the head with rocks. Yeah. I had growing up. My biggest attachment to Star Wars was I had the Ewok playset. Mm-hmm. Everybody, that was everybody's base. It didn't matter if you were an Ewok, a G.I. Joe, part of Mask, or a Boblin. Yeah. Yeah. You definitely got to hang out in that place. Absolutely. Had the boulder that you pushed down the top of the tree and it came out the bottom knot and crushed mm-hmm. people. So good. Yeah. Do you think with Disney in charge, we'll see the official release of the Star Wars holiday special? You, you know, I, I think in a world now where people kind of love like the ironic humor aspect yeah. of stuff, I think that thing might end up seeing the light of day especially now it's not under george lucas's kind yeah. of like control anymore uh yeah i think you end up seeing it you know That's i think hysterical. i think that you'll end up getting it because i think we're in a world now where people understand that like that one thing does not like take away no. from everything else and they put out plenty of stuff in my estimation that takes away from the other stuff much more so. yeah. <laughs> have you seen prequels Pee- yeah uh, peewee's christmas special have you seen that no i have not you should you should have a uh, a Christmas morning with lots of alcoholic eggnog. <laughs> there you go. And and watch that. Nice. Grace Jones will blow your mind. <laughs> wow. Didn't know she was on that. She comes out of a box and she's all dressed <laughs> in like like Egyptian gear and starts singing that Rumpa Bum Bum song. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing. <laughs> that sounds pretty amazing. Sorry. There's a lot That's... more to it, but I'm not going to start <laughs> rambling any more than I already have. All right. So we got plenty of trailers to talk about. We're going to space them out, though, across uh-huh. the... Uh, the show well you know we should talk about first before we get into that actually we'll talk about the one that came out last week that we didn't talk about in the show which was the new ant-man uh trailer um our our first real look at the the kind of effects of the movie the 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 different sizes much more of a hint of the humor of the movie um and still like uh you know a a very bare bones idea of what the plot of the movie is going to be with a much bigger reveal on who our villain is obviously um you know i I enjoyed the first trailer, uh, wasn't blown away by it, but I thought it looked interesting and I thought the performances looked great. Uh, a lot of people obviously did not like it, you know, or were kind of underwhelmed by it. Uh, you know, I, I so I was already in a position where I was excited to see this and where I, I was expecting to love this trailer. But uh, Bob, what did you think of this new Ant-Man trailer? I, I think this is exactly the way they needed to do it. Show the first one as a little serious. Mm-hmm. Just so, okay, this isn't a huge leap for us. We're, we're still doing the superhero stuff. This one is a little quirkier. Mm-hmm. It's more in the Guardians kind of mm-hmm. vein. Where it's, what What am I seeing? Is it going to be all funny? Humor is going to be prevalent throughout this is what it, I take from it. The relationship between Scott and Henry looks really interesting. So a couple of great lines in there. The uh, I don't I don't break into places and steal stuff anymore. What is it you want me to do? I want you to break into places and steal stuff. Yeah, I kind of <laughs> thought that or whatever he said. Yeah. It's, it's just wonderfully charming and very offhanded in the way it's, it's cut together, that, that sequence. Mm-hmm. The use of his powers, sort of coming up to full size, them explaining that, mm-hmm. you know, at that size, you're super strong and mm-hmm. so on and so forth. The ending with Thomas is hysterical. Yeah. <laughs> 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 the train just falling over sideways. I'm more psyched than I was, the same as you. I, I still was very interested. Still was going to miss Edgar Wright, but I understood why mm. they needed to do this. But it looks like some of it's there. There's some weirdness yeah. that's going to still mm. be there. Yeah, that Thomas Tank Engine thing feels like an Edgar Wright thing. Yeah. 
I could be it, totally wrong about that. It looked, I mean, at least one shot that I saw, the one where he's kind of running up the side of the gun, mm-hmm. that was in the test footage that we saw eons ago. Yeah. Yes. So they've kept, you know, pieces of whatever the framework was that he was working on and then probably just said, you know, mm-hmm. this is what we have of what we could salvage. You know, what would you like to mm-hmm. do with it from here? So obviously some of those ideas were so good that they, they stayed and they worked. Yeah. So. What do you think of the trailer? It was kind of, it was the trailer that I was waiting for from this. Like when I saw the other one, I thought the other one was was good, but it was strange. Like the tonality of it was very serious, but I was I was excited for that too because it was a in my estimation having read a couple things that were very um uh Scott and Cassie, like the the current run right now. Mm-hmm. Um she's involved the Children's Crusade, she was a big part of that. Um to see that she had a like a a presence in it at all. And that they were leading with that, I thought showed a lot of heart, and that excited me. And then this came out, and it's like, oh, by the way, it's going to have that those heart, you know, heartfelt moments. But we're also going to go kind of goofy, and we're going to have lots of you know ridiculous action, maybe even more ridiculous than what you've seen in Guardians, because we're going to be changing sizes and rearranging like power structures and how they work and and things, and we're introducing you to new villains and. I'm I'm excited for it because it's a corner of the Marvel universe, or it's at least a character that's not with a whole lot of other characters. Mm-hmm. That we got to induct somebody new into this weird world that they've created over the last ten so years, whatever the hell it's been. Um, I only watched it once because I've been kind of very media dark on it. I just want to see it and be really entertained about it and surprised by things. Uh, too many trailers equals too much mm-hmm. there's so many avengers clips out right now i haven't watched a single one of them um but it looks good i'm i'm still excited for it i'm even more excited for it now uh than with that first trailer yeah i mean me too i think that uh, i love the I, I still think they haven't showed us uh, a, a lot of a lot of what i think is going to make the movie special which is a lot more of this little person big world type type of stuff mm-hmm. you know um and i think that it's going to give the movie a, a scale that people aren't really expecting because it is Seem such a seemingly smaller story than, and that's not you know uh, supposed to be a pun or anything like that. Yeah, you know, a, a smaller story than we've been seeing uh, lately. So I, I, I'm excited to see what that all means. And then the other thing I'm interested in seeing is how it, how they incorporate the flashback stuff with Hank because they've already kind of said that. Um, you know, uh, Agent Carter, we, we've heard, is, are going to be links for this movie. So um, I think that you're going to see a lot of flashbacks to Hank mm-hmm. back in his, his days uh, being the Ant-Man. And I'm wondering how that's incorporated. They haven't showed any of that. And also, I think they're definitely holding back state of the world type of stuff because I think this movie is going to be directly affected by what happens during Age of Ultron. And they can't really divulge what that's going to be. Right until Age of Ultron has come and gone. Right. I saw an interview with Kevin Feige where he was describing this as the first movie in Phase 3. It isn't the end of the other as much as the start of the next. Right. I mean, they, they said that it's sort of like a middle ground or something. Yeah. That's what they've said about it. So um, who, knows what, who knows what that means? Who knows what it's going to be? But um, yeah, I mean, look, they haven't, really, uh, they haven't really done anything to make me doubt them at right. all. So once that happens, then sure, you know, I will... Uh, I, I will start to look at things with a more skeptical eye from them, but um, in, you know, even the stuff I like the least, uh, I still like. So e- even if that happens here, I- I'm not going to be completely disappointed. So, right. if we, what the worst 
Marvel Studios film, whether it's whatever you think it's like, it might be. Right, yeah. I'm going to say it's Iron Man three. Half of it was spectacular, mm-hmm. and the interpersonal relationship role handled well. The action was well done. There was a twist that I didn't care for, <laughs> and I think it ruins a lot of that. But you've got great performances, fabulous ideas thrown around, and it, they're all fun. No matter how much seriousness is going on, they're fun. Right. And they're a good way to spend a couple hours. Yeah, absolutely. So why, like I say, until you were saying, until I foul it up, I'm not concerned. Yeah, me neither. So we'll see. I mean, we'll see what happens. I, I think it's definitely uh, for Marvel. I think it's like it's not riskier than something like Guardians of the Galaxy, but I think that at this point, this many months out from Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, the trailers were so kind of special that people were on board with it and they're like well this looks really weird and like it's like a sci-fi thing and like it's big and um and i think this people bit all right sorry about that guys we had a little bit of a technical hiccup there um i was talking about ant-man and saying that i think it's it's the first one um in a while i i think really since um like the first captain america and first thor movies where i feel like the anticipation is not like through the roof in, in the in the general populace, right? So I, I mean, I still think it's gonna it's gonna make good money, but I think it's gonna be more like around those numbers than mm-hmm. the other ones because yeah. it's not a character in the Avengers, it's not someone who looks big, it's not that not not no pun intended, um, and it's and it's not this very different looking thing which Guardians was. It looks so different, you know. Isn't it like the first Marvel movie to really change hands a lot during the making of it? Uh, no, Thor The Dark World did the same thing. Oh, true. Uh, Patty Jenkins, who actually, we didn't really talk about this last week either, but Patty Jenkins left Thor The Dark World, Alan Taylor ended up directing it, mm-hmm. and uh, Michelle McLaren left Wonder Woman this past last yeah. week over creative differences, and they hired Patty Jenkins yeah. to direct that. So, um and we didn't talk about it last week because creative differences is a very nebulous thing to talk about, and we didn't know anything about it. We now know sort of the rumor or the sort of the word on the street is that, excuse me, sorry, that Michelle McLaren wanted to make sort of like a Braveheart-ish action origin kind of thing, mm-hmm. and Warner Brothers wanted a more character-driven type of movie. So uh, that's what that's what we're hearing anyway. So I don't know what that's going to mean. We have no idea, yeah. but we'll, 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 we'll yeah, just see. It's just so nebulous entirely. There's yeah, nothing yeah. to pin. And people have talked about, oh, it's got talking tigers in it. Yeah. <laughs> Look, she flew around in the early days on a space kangaroo. So, you know, she, she talked to animals in the old days. It, it wouldn't be so crazy. That's amazing. Uh, yeah, so again, yeah. But again, th- I think there is a lot of that residual, especially from the the the, the more hardcore community about the Edgar Wright thing. I, I think there's some kind of a smear on the movie, and there's there's right. been for a while now. So uh, I think that it, it's got something to come back from, but I think that obviously – you can't never hurt it if Ultron is as big as we think it's going to be. Right. Mm. It comes out how soon afterwards? Uh, two months, I think. Okay. In July. The Avengers will still be playing in the small theater down mm-hmm. the hallway by the time Ant-Man is yeah. running. Yeah. There could be enough carryover that mm. people, I want to see a new superhero movie. I've already seen Avengers four times. What mm-hmm. do I see next? Well, you go see Ant-Man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, the name can't be helping it either. P- people know Thor. They know Captain Marvel. Those are icons. They, they now they though, do. Not when they came out. I, yeah. yeah. Well, we did. Really? Yeah. We, yeah, yeah. No. I mean, let's, let's be fair. They they know Thor and Captain America more than they know Ant Man. Well, that's what I'm right. saying. Yeah, but not by much. Not by much. <laughs> but uh, I'm giving people too much credit. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I, I think that Ant Man is definitely 
if, if let's say Captain America and Thor, as far as popular, and Iron Man, as far as popularity, were B characters, I think Ant Man is a C character as far as popularity yes. goes. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I mean, Guardians of the Galaxy though is like were like F minus popularity <laughs> characters. So. so who are A characters? Like, give me five. Spider Man. All, the X-Men. X-Men. I mean, you can you can okay. name five or you know ten or X-Men uh, from there. Uh, I mean, it's different now since the movies come out. There's different A characters than there used to be. Right. You know, um, and uh, like obviously Captain America and Iron Man and Thor, they're now A characters in the Marvel universe it, it, in the comics as well as in the movies because that because of where they are. Captain right? America wasn't A the whole time. N- not in popularity. You know, we're not talking about quality of character, obviously. Right. No. In terms of the general public. Yeah. Captain yeah. America had had. No, a heyday in the 1940s. Mm -hmm. Come back in the 60s when comics still sold, but was gone. Mm -hmm. In essence, what terrible TV movies with him with a plexiglass shield and a motorcycle helmet? Yeah, Bob liked Captain America before it was cool. (laughs) I've always loved Captain America. (laughs) Uh, The the Hulk is probably an A character. Used to be anyway, as far as popularity goes, because of the television. Because the television show. Mm -hmm. I mean, when that movie came out, it was huge. When that first initial movie came out, Ang Lee, the Ang Lee movie. Yeah, people were so. He's the kind of character that I remember. Like my parents were excited there was a Hulk movie coming out, and I had no idea like why they the were King excited. Kong of Marvel. Yeah, exactly. So he was a huge character as well. Um, but yeah, they, they were. I mean, Iron Man, especially Iron Man, was definitely a B character, uh, and, and made you know now they're. It's funny because that popularity hasn't really translated to the comics as much as they probably thought it would. Mm. But still, he's like one of the faces of that company now. Yeah. Look, you took three. B characters and made an A plus movie. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I, you know, I, I don't think it, like again. I, I think that the, the you can make you can make a great movie with an F level character. They proved it with Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think that with Ant Man, they can obviously do something awesome, and we'll just have to see. It's going to be. It's definitely their toughest because I, I feel like, A, I think they haven't shown us yet everything that makes the movie special, which is it's a little bit troubling because when it comes out in like four months, that's that's a little bit yeah. troubling, yeah. three months. Um, but they're behind the eight ball because like when they do Doctor Strange, that has a definite hook, right? It's, it's the first magic in the Marvel Universe. You know, it's going to be... The visuals are just—you can see the visuals already in your head before you even look at anything yeah. from that movie. Um, you know, obviously, Black Panther is going to be very different. Captain Marvel is going to be very different. The Inhumans will be very different. This exists in the regular world, just as a character who can do kind of very interesting things. Mm-hmm. So I think that it's going to prove to be their biggest challenge. But I, I, I do still think it's going to be a good movie. Yeah. And again, where it falls in the schedule could be perfect. Mm-hmm. If it was out by itself, if it led the year off, I don't know if it would bomb, mm. but you're looking at re- reduced expectations by a factor of three, probably. Yeah. Here, I think you have a real shot at this being a surprise hit. Yeah. Um, look, this is for, for phase, past phase one stuff. If it's like as good as Thor the Dark World, then I'll be happy. And that's yeah. like. I like Thor the Dark World a lot. I don't love that movie. So if this mm-hmm. is. If I like this movie a lot. And it seems like it can grow for a sequel. That's all I'm really looking for with with, with Ant Man. Um, tempered expectations, I guess you could say. Uh, all right, let's talk about some comics. We talked about enough movie stuff coming from Marvel slash Disney. Um, There'll be more later. Yeah, let's. Uh, yeah. We're gonna we're, no, we're gonna go f- Fox, and then we're gonna go Warner Brothers. So we have we're moving away from Marvel slash Disney um, and, and other things. Does RKO have any superhero movies coming? I don't, out? I don't think so. That's too bad. No, they're none on the slate this time around. <laughs> Uh, Steve. Yay. Lightning round. Uh, all right. 
phone. You got to put three minutes on the clock. Three minutes are on the clock. Lightning round. Go. Giant Days, number two, from Boom Studios, in which the girls get the campus flu and delirium brought on by high fevers and stressed nerves, brings about comedy as well as hallucinations. The book continues to be quirky, endearing, and filled with laughter. Definitely pick it up. This was two of six. Uh, Run, Love, Kill, number one, from Image Comics. Uh, It feels like a before-credit sequence to an elaborate anime focusing on a shady corporation, territorial as well as societal segregation, and a woman capable of dismantling it all. Uh, It gives off a real sci-fi anime feel. Uh, It's kind of like a Ghost in the Shell meets Blade Runner kind of thing. Uh, Tremendous art. Absolutely tremendous art uh, all throughout the book. Um, If you're not there for the story, at least check it out for the art. And then you have Spread from Justin Jordan and Image Comics. Uh, I wrote this down because I wanted to get this right. Uh, It's like if you took John Carpenter's The Thing and ingested what Terrence McKenna refers to as a heroic dose of of psilocybin mushrooms. Uh, No, an Asian scavenger in a post-apocalyptic world discovers an infant child who might just be the answer to everyone's prayers. The only trick is that staying alive long enough to find out is rather difficult. Together with a cannibalistic butcher and the child's feral mother, I'm getting a phone call from a 1-800 number as I'm reading my phone. (laughs) <laughs> I get another 10 seconds. Uh, Farrell's mother, uh, no, no fights to keep the child safe in a Mad Max style world filled with lunatics and seemingly unstoppable virus spreading throughout what's left of their world. It's awesome. There you go. Is that all your lightning round? How much do I have left? You have a minute and a half left. All right. Let me, talk, <laughs> let, me, let me talk to you a little bit about Spread. Spread is absolutely ridiculous. I talked about this book. I talked about number one a couple of months back and thought it was really intriguing and really cool. And the art was really out of there by uh, Kyle Stram, by the way, with a uh, with colors from uh, Felipe Sobrero, who's the same colorist for Luther Strode. Mm. This is, I mean, if you can, you can see it because you guys are sitting here. This book is absolutely disgusting like (laughs) horrible horrible creatures um crazed cannibal lunatics all living in this post-apocalyptic world where this kind of evolving uh virus is spreading all throughout the land and it's a question as to whether or not there's anything left nobody can travel far enough before being eaten or destroyed or corrupted by this virus in order to find out if anybody else has made it in the world um and of course you have all these you know, crazy ass people, barbaric people that are rising to power to kind of control things. And no is caught in the middle by having this infant child who might be the answer to all of these things. And they're all gunning for him. Um, I shit you not. It's page after page after page of nonstop action and gore and violence. And it's beautiful. So if that's your thing, check it out. All right, cool. See, I'm early when I write things down. Yeah. It was really <laughs> gruesome when you showed us some of that. The <laughs> entire pages of bloody, wormy things with mm. lots of teeth all looking into each other. <laughs> Not so good, yeah. though. Like all that, like in John Carpenter's The Thing, when the severed head starts to like sprout oh, the spider legs and walk that. around, think of that and then apply that to like, think of that thing mutated into all manner of horrible, nightmarish things. And that's what you've got uh, up against in this book. That scene is my favorite use of profanity in a motion picture ever. What's that? Well, the thing... Okay, a guy's getting uh, paddles on his chest, and it opens up, and it rips a guy's arms off. And a wonderful effect, they used their actual amputee. Oh, and wow. Gave him, and gave him gelatin arms and stuck it inside a machine and ripped his arms off. Oh, wow. 
Yeah. Well. Uh, anyway, so the head tries to escape and stretches this neck off the table. The whole room's on fire. The head uses his tongue, escapes down a hallway. It sprouts little spider legs, and it starts running away. And the stoner character looks at it and goes, pardon me? <laughs> You've got to be fucking kidding. <laughs> I mean, that's how you use profanity. Yeah. Right there. Uh, just really quick to wrap up. That's awesome. I remember that part in the movie. I love that movie so much. Uh, it's fourteen ninety nine for the trade. The trade is called No Hope, uh, Volume 1, No Hope, and uh, it is totally worth checking out. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. All right, Bob. Okie dokie. Here we go. Three minutes and go. Okay, starting with Sensation Comics number nine. We have, as usual here, two fine stories in this issue. In the first, we open on a battle between Wonder Woman, Cheetah, Cersei, and Medusa on the Island of Cats. What a shame Stephanie's not here today. Uh, which eventually brings us to a different sort of battle between two sisters and their real life together, somewhere different than we start at. The second story, something that's been done before, for instance, in Wonder Woman 170 by Phil Jimenez, it's an interview with Wonder Woman by Lois Lane. And it's just here done so well that it seems absolutely brand new all over again. As Steve is looking through the art, it's just sensational in two very different ways, no pun intended. Shaft <laughs> uh, number five is out this week, or last week. Uh, David F. Walker, Bill Quee, Evely continue to deliver just a real dynamic story of John Shaft's origin. And the end of this issue l- lets you know that there are some folks in this book who are going to find out what a bad mother... Shut your mouth. John Shaft is. Thank you very much, Steve. I was hoping for that. Uh, Thor number seven, Jason Aaron, uh, Russell Dowderman. Thor versus the Destroyer, who's sent by Odin to reclaim Mjolnir. And the battle rages, and the mystery might begin to unravel, but it might not. We're not going to know till next issue, apparently. Best art of that run so far. Absolutely so. Ms. Marvel 14, with, speaking of arts, Takeshi Miyazawa, uh, guest artist on this one again. Uh, Kamala's first crush, and it all seems to be going so well until some more supervillainy breaks out in Jersey City, as it always seems. I don't know what's going on over there, what's in the water. But this is just wonderful, as usual, charming, smart, and more importantly, it's just very real, at least if you don't count, you know, there's all these monsters and inhumans and terrible people in Jersey City. Finally, Captain America and the Mighty Avengers number seven. Nice finish to this extended arc, and probably this series, as at least I've come to know it now, over two volumes. Next issue is the Mighty Avengers, The Last Days. That's such a shame. Al Ewing has proved himself on this book to just be one of the real comers in this industry to me, and I'm really hoping he gets a shot. If the Netflix thing goes well, I'd love to see a Luke Cage solo series and have Al Ewing write it. Nice. <gasps> That's it. I can breathe. You had <laughs> almost a minute left. Really? <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay, Steve, help me out here. What would uh, you like? What uh, everyone like? What were you talking about? Oh, that's your book of the week for Sabrina. Sabrina. Yeah. So Last Days, you, well, you have a, you still have an arc left because uh, Last Days is, the, Marvel gave certain creators the option, you know, which were kind of newer series to do, instead of doing, instead of doing arcs taking place during Secret Wars, it's the, it takes place before Secret Wars. Oh. So it's like the last days in the normal 616 for these characters. So that's what's happening with Ms. Marvel, that's what's happening with Loki, that's what's happening with Magneto. These books are all getting these last days arcs, so they're not getting wrapped up into Secret Wars. I mean, those characters will, obviously, mm-hmm. but this book... The book will stay. The book will stay. Oh. Awesome. Until until Secret Wars is... I don't know if it's right till it's over, but it's it's still a couple more months. You still have, I think, uh, three or four issues left, I think, of uh, of, of the normal <laughs> series. So, <laughs> yeah. It's the little things. Yeah. I'm, I'm taking them for what they're worth. Yeah. Um, yeah, I want to well, talk about Thor real quick. Okay. Yeah. Um, Thor number seven. 
you know, we talk a lot, and we were even talking kind of like uh, we when, when we were having little technical difficulties, we are talking about where is this writer going? What is this writer going to do? Th- this kind of stuff. You know, for me, I think that I have a big question and a big and a lot of curiosity about where Russell Dowderman's going to end up doing most of his regular work um, yeah. after Secret Wars because I don't we don't know what's happening with Thor. Obviously, the main book. You know, I, I would, I, I the the art in this is is spectacular and uh, it it's just bright and colorful, but also some of the the action is is fantastic. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's this one scene where she's where she, uh, Thor is like wiping off blood off her face, and she's you know there's mm-hmm. all this dirt and smoke and fire, yeah. and it's just beautiful, gorgeous stuff to look at. Um, and and uh, and we want to I want to give credit to the whole team. Obviously, Matthew Wilson is the color artist. Um, and I guess uh, Dowderman does his own inks because I don't see mm-hmm. an, I don't see an ink around here. Um, so great, great job by that team. Um, and like getting to see Dowderman possibly, I would love to see him doing X Men or or something like that in the future where he gets to play all these characters and all these big yeah. things over and over and over again. But um, there's just some stuff in this book uh, that. Thor is doing with the hammer that is just oh, yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. Um, and Aaron and Dowderman do a great job, both in the writing and the visual storytelling of, you definitely have that moment where you're like, yeah, she's not going to be able to do this, right? Like she's, she's outmatched by this thing and I don't know how she's going to get out of it. And the way she does get out of it is really, really great. Never seen the hammer do that before. No. Yeah. <laughs> and I love the, the last page. Which um, is this great moment where it's basically like uh, every possible rumor about who yes. Thor was like pops up on screen at the same time to show you like this is not who Thor is. Uh, we are given a very very um, seems too obvious. I agree. Uh, a a, a yeah. hand towards who Thor is at this point. Um, I do not believe that that's who that character is. It just seems like you don't build up to a reveal that long and then give it away without really giving it away. Right. You know, you never see that character pick up the hammer. And I think that if you're going to wait this long, if you wait seven, eight issues to reveal something, you're going to see the character as the character. Um, and I, it hasn't happened yet. So I think we still don't know who, who this person is. Uh, but hmm. just a great book. Great, great yeah. book. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm excited to see how this wraps up. I have n- no idea what's going to happen as we go into secret wars and post secret wars. But this Seven issues, going to be eight issues, has just been astoundingly good. Right, we know this new Thor will be around at least for some of the A Force issues, but well, you also know she's going to yeah. be post because we see her in the free comic book daily, yeah. all new, all different Avengers. So, I, I she's definitely sticking around past. I just mean as far as like creative this teams team. and stuff like that. What's going to happen? Russell Dowderman on Doctor Strange. Also, that would be fantastic. Yeah, um, Steve, what about you? I wish Stephanie was here because she would know the name of this character. This is a character from the Runaways in this pile of. Uh, <laughs> ladies that are coming through this portal all the way in the back oh cannot remember her name hmm. the mm-hmm. one uh, well maybe i shouldn't say yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll talk about it off mic sorry what was your question i said what do you think of the book it's my favorite issue of this run so far the art although it's funny it's i feel like an ass because i was posting non-spoilery art like on, to my instagram and and and, and tagging Dowderman and and uh aaron and they were very receptive and thanking me whatever um 
I kept calling it issue number six. <laughs> yeah, it was seven. Whoops. Um, but seriously, I was positively blown away both by the writing and the art. I can't believe how long they've managed to keep this thing under wraps and that after all the evidence, I still have doubts and that I'm still excited and that just wh- where's Russell Dowderman been before this? Do I, mean, I know did, him from other stuff? did Cyclops. The earlier in the year, the the Greg Pack, the Greg Rucka, Greg Rucka, the Greg Rucka Cyclops book. He was the artist on that, and before that, I know he did an indie book, and I just can't remember what it is right now. But I hadn't seen anything of him until the Cyclops book. Did we put him on any list for last year's stuff? I think stuff? he was on... Um, I, I don't know if he ended up getting nominated for Breakout Artist, but I think we had discussions about him, but I don't think so. All right, well, that's the thing <laughs> that's going to happen. Yeah. Um, but he I mean, last year's, he can make this year. Absolutely, so that's right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, as far as the issue goes, it's it's amazing. It's it's a really, really fun time to be into Thor. It's fun to be following this mystery. The idea that it's still a mystery um, just makes me smile that, that they can manage to, to keep it under wraps. Even with all the preview stuff, they've done a really good job of keeping that stuff at least enough over it to spread doubt. Mm-hmm. You know, like this issue... They tried to give you a very clear indication of who it is, and there's still that little part of you that's like, meh, maybe not. <laughs> um, and like I said, that final panel, just going through the list and being like, all right, well, I thought it was this person, but nope, there she is. There's the other one, and I'm out of I'm out of guesses at this point. Yeah. W- what I really like um, about this is that uh, this Jason Aaron feels like the Jason Aaron from Wolverine the X-Men. Mm-hmm. This is like Jason Aaron having a ton of fun, yeah. you know? I mean, I love the Thor God of Thunder stuff. Don't get me wrong. That stuff is awesome and beautiful and like uh, unbelievably epic. But it's so cool to see him be able to switch gears like that so quickly within the same... Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's it's a renumbered and it's a new character, but it's still yeah. the Thor character. I, I love that about That's it. That's what I loved so much about reading his Thor God of Thunder run in conjunction with the X-Men, Wolverine and the X-Men mm-hmm. stuff, was I went from, you know, this big Norse god, gigantic, heavy thing to, you know, putting gum in a mutant's hair in, in <laughs> class, yeah, yeah, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. that he was able to even make characters like Toad be really cool and, and have like a subplot line that was interesting and, and fun to follow and all that stuff. Very cool. By the way, I just got a tweet that I saw um, it as well. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Netflix has apparently renewed Daredevil for a second season. Mm-hmm. So Kalu Kale. Yes. I'm <laughs> mm-hmm. still so can't wait to hear when the I'm still waiting for the release date of uh, Jessica Jones. I'm so psyched. I'm wondering for that. when that's going to be. Um, and apparently, uh, Kevin Smith did an interview with Joe Casada that hasn't aired yet, but he was talking about it on his previous show, and he said that Casada said all these different shows are definitely going to have like their own flavor to them like they're all feel like they belong in the same universe but they're like jessica jones isn't going to be the same thing it's going to be like a noir it's not going to be like this grim dirty cool. like street level it's gonna be street level but this grim dirty action thing it's going to be a noir so i it's i think that's cool you know and obviously iron fist will end up being some sort of kung fu type of yeah. thing but <laughs> there we go uh cool so awesome uh let's go on to my lightning round 
Boom. Uh, all right. So the Fox. This is another Dark Circle book. Archie's superhero imprint. This is Fox uh, number one, and it's uh, Dean Haspiel and Mark Wade on writer uh, writers. And Dean Haspiel is the artist and cover artist on this. Um, there was a previous arc that was running last year mm-hmm. with the two of them, and I just didn't pick it up. I don't know why. I just I, I it just slipped me by. I wasn't interested. But I'd heard such good things about the other book, Black mask black, black black hood black hood yeah and i was like you know, let me pick this up because i've been loving afterlife with archie and i gotta tell you, i loved this first issue of this story um maybe you want to go back and read the previous series that was out i love the art i i don't know dean haspiel at all um and i just love the look of the book uh very classic you know has sort of like that samney-esque look to it yep. um but he you know he's just he's one of those kind of Regular guy puts on a costume, superheroes, but he, he's walking around his hometown. It's about to be bulldozed, and he comes across kind of a nefarious plot happening. And there's a very over the top bad guy, and and it just it looks great, it feels great. I was really really happy with it. Um, Dave, uh, number what are we number three now? Yes, number three. Uh, really continues. There's uh, such a fun, awesome series from Ryan Ferrier. Um, I really recommend picking this up. If not in single issue, then in trade. Um, but things are starting to pick up big time. Uh, the alien invasion is, is in full swing. And we're seeing uh, how Dave handles possibly his old life coming back. <laughs> but it's still it's hilarious. I just I just love it so much. Um, the other two things I read um, this week were, o- were older things. I went, I went pre-52 uh, Gotham City stuff. Um, after we saw that trailer this week, I, I was in a Batman type of mood. Uh, so I read... Some stuff that I've been meaning to read for a while and just never gotten to. Batman Hush, which was Jeff Loeb and Jim Lee, I believe 2003-ish time there. It was a big deal back then because Jim Lee hadn't really been doing any monthly work. Mm-hmm. It's his first time back in the hero the hero biz for a while. The big two. And, you know, I, I, I didn't really love it. Uh, I love Jeff Loeb so much. And I think that his Batman work, Dark Victory, Long Halloween, is just so stellar. This felt to me just like a just like a lesser version of, of one of those stories. Hmm. Uh, the only thing in it that I really loved is there's a, there's some really great Catwoman Batman stuff that I really enjoyed where they broached the relationship topic in a way that I think is done very, very well. Um, you know, uh, I, I am, I, I am a, I'm a fan of Jim Lee, especially the stuff that he's been doing recently. Uh, this is like halfway between that and being a little exploitative at times. So there's definitely panels and pages that, um, just are too over the top for me. Uh, both men and women. Uh, so I, I, you know, that the art was hit and miss for me. Uh, and the story was as well. Um, but I say that I love the Batman Catwoman relationship in it. Um, and then finally Gotham central, uh, I don't want to say too much about it. Steve talked a lot about it a few months ago. Uh, but I read the first volume, Greg Rucka, Ed Brubaker, and Michael Lark, and it's just fantastic. Just everything that Steve had said, it's just, um, I, it feels like, true detective but it's yep. but it's in gotham city Ooh. uh very very cool stuff uh it, it's nice how they break it up too this in this first volume we got kind of this kind of one-off story then this two-part story and then this much longer kind of four-part story uh all of them you know I, my favorite part about the very beginning is just that i think you said this when you talked about it, it's like the cops have this clock on their head where they're like Whenever, whenever a super-powered villain comes in, into the play, they're like, we have to figure this out before the sun goes down or it's going to be out of our hands. Yeah. You know, and, and there's this one detective like pleading with the commissioner, don't turn the signal on. And he's like, do you really <laughs> think that if I don't turn the signal on, like, he's not going to know or that we, I can tell yeah. Batman not to do something? Mm-hmm. And I love how he just pops in and out of the story and, and the way that he interacts with people. And 
The second half of it is just basically all Renee Montoya, and uh, it's just really awesome stuff. And after reading this, it makes the t- the convergence tie-in mean even more because there's a whole big Two Face thing that happens at, at the in the second yeah. half of this volume. And obviously, the convergence thing is all about her yeah. relationship with Two Face. So stuff I didn't even know, and I enjoyed That's that. That's cool tie-in that you wound so up reading that. And uh... yeah. I was like, oh my god, this is really cool. Uh, Michael Lark art is great. Obviously, he's doing Lazarus right now with Greg Rucka, but it just feels what it feels like is it feels like a book that Greg Rucka and Ed Brubaker would do if they were doing a book for Image, mm-hmm. but it just happens to be in the DC universe because it feels so so succinctly those two people to me. Yeah, you know the the, the crime drama is so Brubaker. You know the, the characters so Greg Rucka in in in, in so many ways. Um, just, I absolutely loved it. I can't wait. I'm going to, I want to pour through the rest of it. When you, when you reach, there's a Joker storyline. Okay. One of the greatest aspects of it is because you're seeing the story from that perspective, from all of the cops, like the paranoia and the fear that spreads throughout the precinct and throughout the characters that you follow, that you get to see that side of things that like Batman's always off, you know, fighting the Joker, blah, blah, blah. Well, they're all back at the station or on the street Mm -hmm. trying to do their part, but they're terrified of him. Mm -hmm. And it's really cool to see people that are genuinely petrified of what he could possibly do. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean that that first that I I think that's brilliant how they open it because these two cops are just—they got a like, tip on a kidnapping, and they go to this hotel room, and Mister Freeze is inside the hotel room, and they just—that's not who they were looking for. It's not what they were expecting, and you know, you read a Batman comic, and it's like, okay, how is Batman gonna figure out how to take down Mister Freeze? But in this, it's just like, no, these are the guys who like get frozen before Batman shows up, yeah. and I was like, what happened to these guys? You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. And I love—I love that aspect of it. Um, there's just one. There's one scene where this cop is. Um, he's not. You know, the cops aren't supposed to touch the bat signal because mm-hmm. the, the GCPD is not supposed to acknowledge that Batman exists. And so by touching it, they they acknowledge it. But this guy, he's pissed off. Some, his partner got killed. He's just like you know, he's he's a wreck. And he goes and flips it on, and Batman shows up, and he and he's like, you know, what basically? And and <laughs> guys like you know, he tells him what's going on, and then you know, and then Batman says, I'm sorry about you know your partner. And he goes, Is that all you have to say? And he goes. No, that's not all I have to say. Don't ever touch the signal again. And it just like, <laughs> <laughs> so good. Yeah, um, but it, it's just been fantastic. I'm only on the first, only finished the first volume, and it's just utterly fantastic. You have so. them all, though, right? Yeah, I have them all. So okay. over the next week or two, I'm going to be digging into those. I have a, I have a little business trip I have to go on for a couple of days, and I'm going to be in airports and on airplanes. So there will it's be perfect time, a man. lot yeah. of reading. Uh, Gotham Central for for that stuff. Yeah, this Friday I'm traveling and I've got a couple of hours after I land. I got about four hours mm-hmm. at the uh, airport until I get picked up by my girlfriend. So mm-hmm. that is uh, DC New Frontier, Darwin Cookland for me. Nice, nice. All right. So, um, well, we're talking about Gotham City. Um, so let's naturally segue into one of the other trailers that popped up. So sure. Um, you know, we uh, I sent an email earlier uh, to everybody and we were talking about what we we're going to talk about. And uh, I mean, it, it's no secret what the general feelings on the show are about man of steel. And, you know, I, I didn't want to spend 20 minutes talking about a two minute trailer. Um, and it be just us talking as if we were reviewing a movie. Cause the movie hasn't come out yet. I, you know, I, I think it's that I, I didn't, I did not enjoy the trailer. Um, you know, I, I, the, 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 the only really sad thing to me is I think that 
for the one shot we really get to see Affleck in the suit, I think he looks great. I think he looks like Batman. He moves like Batman. Um, and that part, I, I think, looks cool. Um, everything else to me, I, I, I think you guys can probably guess, you know, what problems I had with it. I just think mm-hmm. it, I think it's, it, it's too dark both in look and in tone. You know, I, I just, for me, that's not what I'm looking for. Um, Mm-hmm. For, especially in a Superman movie, you know, I I can I can understand some of in, in, from the Batman the Batman side of things. And look again, it's eighty seconds of footage a year before the movie comes out. So there's there's two hours other right. of it. But if this is representative, but 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 if this is representative of the tone they're going for, then just like the last movie, I, I don't think I'm, it's gonna be it's gonna be my thing. It's not gonna be for me. Um, so you know th- that's really all I want to say about it. It's it, you know I think that. There's a couple stunning shots in it, I think. I think, you know, seeing it in the cell phone footage, obviously, when I first saw it, it's, it's a horrible way to see it, you know? <laughs> and, and I think seeing it in big HD on my TV, there's definitely a couple of shots where I was like, wow, that looks that looks cool, yeah. you know? Um, so we'll have to see. Like, obviously, we don't, we don't really understand what's going on in the story. We don't understand what a lot of these images mean. Right. Um, we don't see any of the other characters that are supposed to be in the movie. Um, so who knows what, what, what that's going to mean. But for me right now, after seeing this 80 seconds of movie, um, I'm not into it um bob let's go to you next and then we'll go to yeah. steve because steve, steve has a little bit different opinion struck me as just more of the same mm-hmm. and that's too bad I, I, when they first postulated ben affleck's character coming to metropolis to try to change things mm. after the, the events of man of steel i had some hope i thought perhaps okay we'll see batman is a dark character but he's less dark than a superman who did those things and so he's our entryway into the thought process of how you fix things and he seems as much part of the problem as solution in mm. this brief bit of footage you know right. uh, can you bleed whatever yes yeah. Yeah, okay yeah, yes. whatever it is way too soon as you're saying mm. so i'm i'm willing to sort of reserve judgment but i'm not as hopeful as i was four days ago right I did appreciate watching it in shaky cam with the subtitles, though. I have to say, <laughs> I found that very entertaining. Digame, or whatever. Yeah, they, you yes. know, like, uh, like that. Yeah. Like that a lot. Whoever, whoever was holding that, that guy never held a camera before in his life. <laughs> no. I no. mean, unless he was, the only thing I can think of is that he was like paranoid that like somebody was going to take his phone away from him. So he was like, kept like moving yeah. but i was like come on it doesn't it's just a phone you can just hold right. it this there is was not one... like the old days of bootleg videotapes where yeah. they shot them in theaters with cameras on their shoulder hiding yeah. in the corner with the yeah. jacket yeah. over it no yeah. this is the... it's just a cell phone there was yeah. one aspect of that like i don't want to say cut of the trailer <laughs> but um when they show ben affleck's batman mm-hmm. that it started to go out of focus mm-hmm. And it was like the timing of it with the music and the focusing in and how long the shot was, it all seemed to sync up. I mean, it was just coincidence, yeah. but it gave that scene like an added level of madness <laughs> that like really intrigued me. I was like, what's going on with Batman? Like he looks like he's losing it. And then it turned out that that was just shitty camera work and, yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's just a still, you know, close up or yeah, zoom yeah. in of, of mm-hmm. Ben Affleck. Um, but whatever. I, I thought that that was actually kind of cool. Uh, so, Steve, uh, what about you? Okay. Here's the thing. All of what I'm about to say is based on speculation, mm-hmm. of course, because this is just a trailer. Here's the thing. In After watching the trailer, and I watched it several times. Mm-hmm. I watched it both in, in crappy cell phone format and in beautiful HD. And... I was then talking to my friend Brendan, and I'm going on and on and on and on about Man of Steel, and he's like, well, I still haven't seen it. And I went, what? 
Like we've been talking for 20 minutes about this <laughs> and you, you're not even with me on what I'm referencing. Well, no, I'm like, all right, fine. So I rewatched Man of Steel um, about two nights ago. I don't dislike it as much as I originally did. The things that I had glaring problems with are still there, but I was less harsh on it going in uh, this time. I enjoyed aspects of it a little bit more than the previous, but we're not here to talk about Man of Steel. Um, here's the thing. All the things that we talked about as far as the destruction and Superman and not like we didn't visually get to see him really doing anything to pick up after himself after everything had gone to shit. And I mean, watching it again, he's thrown through building after building after building and all these things are, are coming down and billions upon billions and billions of damage. I don't see if that was his debut and that's kind of the condition that he left Metropolis in at the end of that movie. I don't see how this guy could really be that popular. And I this is just speculation, but Batman versus Superman seems to be kind of reflective of that in some of like the murmur from the people and that voiceover that comes on mm -hmm. and stuff that like first we see people kneeling to him and then eventually it kind of turns on him into the whole false god spray paint on the statue and he is then being looked at as a villain and being held accountable for seemingly all of the damage that he had created and then you have the batman character that is can it looks like he's convinced that superman is a threat and him being the protector that he is of his city and and otherwise needs to find a way to put him down we also have no idea upon the conditions that they're fighting. They could be uh, under some kind of uh, Lex Luthor's got some kind of hypno device on them. Some kind of rage virus or some crap uh, breaks out against. We don't know. Um, for me, that trailer was really just about the state of things and the confrontation itself. Them meeting and getting to that point in the trailer at the end where Superman comes crashing down in the rain and Batman is just there staring him down. And he's willing to go up against Superman in this kind of like Batman the Animated Series super suit. Yeah. That I mean, he it's made. the Dark Knight Returns. Okay. End of yeah. Dark Knight Returns suit. Um, For me, there was like, I mean, I know it's just classic Superman imagery, but like the silhouette of him in the air with a person reaching up. That shot was very nice. Yeah. yeah. And I didn't, I didn't really, the one where he's kind of bench pressing the, the first shot you get yeah, of him. Space capsule. Yeah, it was, it was. That to me was kind of silly, but it's silly, but iconic. And all of the Superman stuff with him in the air and, and Bruce looking up and seeing him flying there, looking all godlike and then him asking him if he bleeds and then Superman just coming, whoosh, crashing down into the rain I got chills. Like, regardless of how that movie is going to turn out, as far as a trailer goes, I got chills. And I actually really like the Batman voice, whether it was digitized because of the suit, whether he's using some kind of a voice modifier. I mean, I don't know what people want or expect for a Batman voice. If the people paying you the money to be Batman ask you and say, hey, we really want to kind of keep with the Batman voice thing, what can you do for us? There's only so much that you're going to get from that, and it's fine. I mean, yeah, I think that's that voice sounds like he's in like that super suit and he's talking yeah. through it. That's I what it sounds. Cool. That's what it sounds like to me. Um, yeah, I mean, I, there, there's no way those little details. There's no way to judge or to even like uh, like weigh any sort of opinion about that stuff because we don't know. Like right. that's the really like the only line we hear from 
either one of them in the entire movie, it, it, the entire trailer is that. Those voiceovers are a mishmash of, I mean, one of them is Holly Hunter. I know that. I don't know what character she's playing. Um, and one, one of them is Jesse Eisenberg. The, yeah. the, uh, d- the demons don't come from below. They come from the sky. Um, and obviously, again, we're a year away. So like, one of the things I'm actually most excited about in the movie is to see what Jesse Eisenberg is like as Lex Luthor, because I think it's kind of inspired casting. So I want to see what that's like. You know, there there are aspects yep. of this movie that I am still excited for. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. Like, look, I said this on the uh, comics and coffee. I'm going to be hypocritical no matter what I do. I'm going to see the movie. It's going to happen. Mm-hmm. It's Batman and Superman. That's uh, never happened mm-hmm. before. So I'm going to see it. And you know, if it's the same thing as men of steel, honestly, I'm not going to be as like, disappointed as i was then because i know what to expect now and yeah that's a good point you know and and that's yeah and look this is the bottom line of it all if these movies aren't for me like that's a big shame for me because these are superhero movies and and traditionally superhero movies have been right right up my alley you know uh but if they're not for me then that's just the way it is you know and the people who love them will love them and as long as they keep loving them and keep going to them they'll keep making them but for me like in a movie with the two, the, in, the, in the first teaser trailer, for, this is what I would want to see. Mm-hmm. In the teaser trailer for, with the two biggest heroes in the history of comic books, I would I would have liked to see something that seemed heroic, you know. And I didn't see any of that, and that's right. what disappointed me. I think that's really at the heart of it. What disappointed me about it. So that is why I was disappointed in, in what was there. I was thinking about this on the way on the way over here. I was driving over here. Um, the idea of like the the disappointment or, mm-hmm. or expectations or whatever. Um, I think part of, I mean, I know why I, I got so bent out of shape with, with Man of Steel is I was thinking about this, you know, if one of these movies comes out where like it's Batman, it's Superman or any character that you mm. really love or mm. have an attachment to and the movie comes out and it's not what you wanted and it doesn't live up to your expectations. I think the idea of like, that's the movie. If you didn't like it, you're kind of screwed for a good like 10 years or so because it's making the new Superman making the new Batman I mean the turnaround has been faster in recent times than Mm -hmm. usual but like if you don't like the new stuff that comes out you're kind of on the outs for however long that trend or that run Mm -hmm. goes for because they're already up for sequels and Mm -hmm. tie-ins and spin-offs and sure so I think that's where like like the disheartenment if that's even I think that's a word it is so it is now (laughs) okay it is now I'm making it up and like if you're not on board and you're not there with it 100% it stings because you know that it's gonna it's gonna be that much harder for you to come back the next time and and find and that's why I watched Man of Steel again because I really want to like these movies and be into these movies and unfortunately you know some stuff worked for me a little bit better this time around knowing what I was in for um, I went into this trailer assuming that it was going to be exactly what I saw what mm-hmm. it turned out to be but knowing that it's like that I I just read um, I just finished I'm not going to talk about it on the show but I read years uh, 2 and 3 of Injustice I finished mm-hmm. like all of the stuff of Injustice and seeing like the evil superman in that it's a shame that that would be like mainline superman stuff but I'm starting to kind of think of these movies as like alternate um alternate things like the Injustice mm-hmm. is an alternate timeline mm-hmm. alternate world mm-hmm. story and stuff like that that this is just a series of movies where I'm going to have to adapt and it's not going to be exactly what the ideal Superman is mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. 
And I've kind of gotten a little bit more comfortable with that notion, and I'm trying to look at these things in a different light. Right. That's it. I, I will say that all of this this tone stuff that I that I dislike or or am not cool with in these movies, I am very excited to see what Suicide Squad yeah. ends up being because right. it, it seems like that's the perfect movie. Uh, for this and everything that David Ayer has said about what he's doing, I think the cast is fantastic. There's just a lot of great stuff there, I think. And uh, we've seen we've seen now l- more than a little hint of what J- Leto's Joker looks like, and it looks like the Joker. And and so you know uh, that I'm excited for. It's just like you were saying, Steve. It's tough when it's a movie because in a comic book, like if Bob doesn't like the main Night Avengers book, there's four other Avengers books, and probably one of them is going to be one, like Captain yeah. America and the yes. Avengers. I like this one. Same thing with Superman, same thing with Batman. You know, usually there's one that you're like, yeah, I can yeah. I can read this one. And in movies, it's obviously much tougher because that's the way it's going to be, and you kind of, as a fan of this stuff, if it's not the version you want to see, it really, really ruffles your feathers because right. you feel like you're never going to see that version that you wanted Amen. to see. It's like if you missed, like, let's say, like, you're just getting into comics and you missed the vast majority of Snyder and Capullo's run and you want something a little bit more concise. So you go over to Detective Comics where, you know, Bucciolato mm-hmm. is, is doing his thing over yeah. there. And, you know, you get uh, anywhere from, like, four to six issue stories. And there's only, you know, of that creative team, there's, like, two you know, story arcs mm-hmm. so far and you can catch up on that much faster and that's where you're comfortable in that world. Yeah. So yeah. when you have one movie and that movie is then the the branching off point for everything else and you don't like it, yeah. you're kind of at exactly. a loss. Exactly. And then you yeah. bitch and moan about it on Twitter like I do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or I did on the forums. If I don't know, people saw it over there in the Batman Superman movie thread. I posted the fan film trailer from 10 years ago yeah, that yeah. Sandy Calora who made I've shown you Steve Batman Dead End. Oh, I have it. Yeah. Yeah, right. you gave, you gave it to right. me for my right. birthday. That world's DVD. finest trailer is incredible it and is. made for, you know, $30,000 by people who were just fans who yeah. wanted to do this the right way and Lex Luthor's super friends <laughs> fighting suit. Yeah. Uh, reference to Oracle. Yeah. Just charming and it's Alex Ross's drawings come to life. Yeah, yeah. And the tone is just amazing. It opens with truth, justice, in the American way mm-hmm. and the John Williams score. Well, that's pretty special for yeah, me. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, that's just, uh, yeah, I, I, that's the thoughts on on this this one minute teaser yes. that's a movie for a year out. Uh, we'll see how everything develops. Um, it was cool. They, sh- they, they had the costumes up uh, like on display and they put some pictures up and they're much more colorful than those stills they released. Mm-hmm. Um, not the Batman costume, obviously, yeah. but it's gray and black. Superman, but very blue. And the Wonder Woman also, the colors pop a lot more. So I mean, I'll say I'm anxious to see what all that stuff looks like. And for nothing else for me, it's going to be it's going to be interesting kind of uh, academically for me to see how the, all that stuff looks and what they decide to do with everything. Um, all right, let's move on to our books of the week. Um, Steve. <laughs> Just give me a second. You're up first. <laughs> God, I'm sorry. It's all right. Still getting over a little bit of things. Mm. All right. So talking about, nice little segue, about having an opinion of something at first and then going back and looking at it again with a different perspective, trying to see things under a different light. I read uh, James Robinson's Fantastic Four, which is the current Fantastic Four run. Uh, I read, oh, I'm sorry, and Leonard Kirk on pencils and inks by Carl Kessel uh, and many, many other people throughout uh, the series. So I read one through, the numbering's a little weird, but I would assume one through 17-ish. Yeah. Okay. Um Originally, when this had first started, when Marvel Now launched and Fantastic Four came back, I stayed on for about three issues, 
and felt really kind of let down and kind of burned by the overall tone of it. It starts off very bleak. Um, you know, we're talking about expectations and things that you expect and things that you want. And I've gotten it in my head that like Fantastic Four needs to be, you know, really big and it needs to be, you know, going off planet and, and off dimension and going into, you know, big adventures and family adventures and learning things and meeting new aliens and all that stuff. And it can be, but it doesn't always have to be. And that was kind of what I was telling myself when I went to go and reread this and based on Bob's recommendations over the past couple of months, how it started to turn into something that he was really excited for, you know, in Bob we trust. So <laughs> I went back and I, I purchased the first three trades of this and then I caught up with the rest of them digitally and stuff like that. And systematically, the family is being pulled apart. Um, Franklin is is having nightmares and his family's not listening to him, which then results in kind of the pocket universe that he'd created in Hickman's run. Um is has become sick and things from this dimension are now leaking out of the Baxter building and out into the world and basically tearing the family apart and putting them in a light uh, to the public and their people that is not good for their image. It's not good for superheroes. It's not good for New York. It's not good for anybody. And the person that's kind of railing against them and bringing them down and dragging them through the mud seems to just be extraordinarily prepared and is very calculated in wanting to um like deformate them and stuff like that and, and just take them out of the spotlight so it was a very disheartening thing to read and it was it was kind of breaking my heart and i'm like what is he doing what is happening with this with these characters and this family like i love this why are they breaking up this is not the way it's supposed to be and as you keep reading i noticed that there were no there were no like like no story arcs there were no endings or cliffhangers there are cliffhangers but it's all one giant story it's not three issues four issues six issues it's one giant opus of a thing james robinson had an idea when he sat down to write this and took the slow burn approach i'm not used to slow burn when it comes to fantastic four i'm used to just getting in there and doing stuff so in reading it in one giant shot I got to see, you know, the tearing down of the Fantastic Four into the rekindling. And then eventually when they get back into their blue costumes and they come back and it's called Back in Blue, it was an for a Fantastic Four fan, an incredibly huge fist pumping moment that if you did not slog through all of that torture and watch everybody be, you know, taken down and and dragged through the mud would not have had that kind of payoff. It wouldn't have wouldn't have been so sweet. So I'm at the point now where not only are they back together, but like all hell is broken loose. There's one more issue left and it's like the giant finale of everything that's been going on. And possibly my my favorite aspect of all of this is how much of the past Robinson has taken from in order to make all of this happen. There are characters that show up. There are references to things that I read back like two years ago when I started reading FF from the beginning. And all of these things that play a huge part in this story, they're woven together really expertly. And it's just a, a very, very naive of me to think that they weren't going to be brought back into the positive. 
I don't see how you could just go negative with the Fantastic Four, and I should have had more trust in the pedigree of that family and that that property to know that. But I walked away from it, and now coming back and watching the change was, no pun intended, fantastic. It, and I and I've I've loved every page of it uh, a second time around, and I, I can't wait to see the final issue. Wow, Bob. Yeah, here's the thing for me: James Robinson's work on things like Golden Age and, and the DC legacy characters, and what he was doing in Invaders, was certainly gonna show itself in here. I had problems with it too. You heard me say negative things for the first yeah. four or five issues. I think it went on a little too long. I understand just what you're saying about the need for, for that setup to make the comeback so important, mm-hmm. but I think it became tiresome to be nothing but sad and glum all the time and that joy was sort of missing but as it started to bleed back into it i started to get the oh i see where he's going and this is this is going to work and his deep knowledge of the history there's a panel with the big bad guy for those who may catch up later i won't say too much behind him is this sort of monitor of all the things that have happened before those are all old story panels from old kirby books and back in the early 60s Mm -hmm. it's all connected yeah, the, everything that's ever happened to this family somehow, and it is now, it's going to be a great payoff. It's a shame the book is going on hiatus for however long we, yeah. we're not really sure yet. But I spoke to James Robinson, I think it was the last, maybe it was October? Might have been October at the at the con. Well, actually, the panel we were at. Which one? We were at the, it was the, the, well, the Marvel panel? panel. No, it was the Marvel panel in oh, okay. October. And he said, it was very sad when they were talking about it on the panel itself. And as he came out of the room, I got him at the back of the room and he went, no one who's a fan of this book is going to walk away with a sour taste in their mouth when the book ends. Everyone gets their moment. Everything mm-hmm. is going to, you're going to enjoy what I'm doing here. And he looked sad to be leaving the book behind. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, the the villain reveal is fantastic. It's worth it. It all makes sense. And it's, like I said, it's it's woven together with, very much the entire history like the story almost kind of starts before the fantastic four were even the fantastic Mm -hmm. four but you have to you have to get to that point to realize that you will not feel that in the beginning Mm. um and you because i stopped reading it yeah yeah (laughs) and like and you you read it month to month bob so you were waiting like i had it all in front of me like it read like a fantastic four novel if you will sure like just one you know collected work of of stuff as opposed to waiting i don't i don't obviously i couldn't make it every month with this you know but now that it's that it's all here the majority um i mean i'm gonna buy the rest and then i'm gonna buy the trade again when it comes out just to you know finish off my collection but um i mean anybody that left it or didn't like it it's going to be over in one more issue and then it'll be collected. Maybe they'll come out with a nice um, collected edition hardcover, something like that down the line. Um, I highly, highly recommend it. I know it's tough to get there, but hopefully a few things that I've said will will excite you enough to, to want to check it out. Yeah. And that's my two cents or four cents. Oh. <laughs> hey. Nicely done. Oh, that was lame. <laughs> no, it wasn't. I'm so glad you're enjoying it again. I really, really... I After... After seeing the new trailer, we'll talk about it yep. soon, but like after seeing the new trailer, I was like, I got to read that. And I sat down to read it last night, and I went through the entire thing, and it was wonderful. Well, we're going to talk about it right now, because it's a pretty good segue. Let's yes. do it. <laughs> we're not going to talk about the Fantastic Four, then talk about something else, and then no. go back to talking about the Fantastic Four. Uh, Steve, so why don't you just, you go ahead. You, I mean, you said the trailer made you want to read these books. Yep. Um, so 
tell me, was it in a way that was like, this isn't the Fantastic Four I want to see, so I want to see real Fantastic Four, or was it, I'm very excited to see this Fantastic Four, so I also want to read the comic book Fantastic Four. Big fat plate of black squawking crow. Okay. That's what I'll be. That's what I'll be eating um, <laughs> when I talk about this trailer. Uh, I was not excited for what I had seen from this movie thus far. A lot of what was coming out from the cast and and from the people making it was not exciting me. Just things about the costumes, things about the direction. Uh, some of the casting threw me a little bit, and just not instilled with confidence until. The other day, uh, a new trailer came out, and it had many things that I had been hoping for and looking for in the movie. There's a lot of, um, I'm going to use this word again, I talked about it earlier with the Ant-Man, but a lot of heart to it, and a lot of that family sense that I was hoping for. It might not be family yet, but there seems to be a very deep... um, friendship going on between the four i thought each character had good moments in the trailer johnny was hilarious um there's a little moment between sue and reed that was really cute there was um somebody asked something about like what reed is capable of or what he's doing with his with his knowledge and he says i just want to i just want to fix my friends like i just want to help my friends that was what i was looking for the action sequences look really cool and it was really nice to finally see the thing um, in all of his CGI glory, which I did not know how that was going to work out. I didn't know what kind of art they were going to go with to, to mold him after and whatever. And I th- honestly, I think he looks fantastic um, for what that... Pun intended? Yeah! <laughs> that time, no, but I'll take it. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of people grousing about the way that he looks, and I understand that it's, it's uh, people are some but people are always going to have a problem with it. I just as far as the thing goes in today's like movie market he looks awesome I don't know what else you would do to him to make him look any more like Ben Grimm so in the interest of that I think he looks great uh we got to see some of their powers Sue was was doing ridiculous things with her force fields and that's what I wanted like that's what I want to see I still don't know what it's going to be like I don't know if I'm going to love it but I am at least actually excited to see it now. Whereas before this, I was not. All right. So I'm going all positive today. Bob, counterpoint. <laughs> Go for it, Bob. <laughs> I can see the look on his uh, face. Take me to school. I, there's nothing I saw in that trailer that said to me by tone or actions that this was the Fantastic Four. It might be a wonderful science fiction horror movie. The director has spoken of being a body horror film. You know, akin to David Cronenberg, you know, Videodrome or The Fly or something, and I get a lot of that sort of vibe to it. Look, Mark Miller has gotten his wish as the guy who's running the Fox end of things as their sort of comic book guru guy, and he's putting his Fantastic Four on the screen, the ultimate Fantastic Four with a 20-something-year-old Reed Richards and all the rest of them. And, you know, that's wonderful. For those people who want to watch that, great. That's not... There's nothing there to me that says that it's nothing but Mark Miller's and not Stan Lee's and Jack Kirby's, and that's the Fantastic Four for myself and everybody else. And the, the characters have the names and the powers of these people, but they don't strike me as those people I've known for 50-odd years 
I mean, what was Victor non-Doom? What is that whole thing about? Where he's got, well, what, like a plastic face mask on or he's face no, is metal it was, or whatever? Whatever he was wearing, it was it was it looked like it was digitized and it was having some kind of like electrical current running through it on yeah. the front. And of course, the origins are uh, melded together again. He's taking, he's part of their team yeah. that goes off doing what they do. They're all working for Dr. Storm, who last I recall was not a mad scientist, but they're a surgeon. Yeah. I mean, as soon as he was, altogether. like as soon as he was labeled Blogger Doom, that just spelled disaster for that character that they're really gonna have to but like there's a shot of him in the trailer where he's kind of like walking up uh, like a cliffside or something or he's standing atop a rock and the wind's blowing and the cape is is blowing behind him and it looks like dr doom and it looks cool i'm somewhere kind of in between i think both of you um you know i there were things i thought looked cool there are things I liked about it. There were little moments where I like had a smile on my face or, you know, I, I thought that's nice or that's cute or that's fun. Um, but, you know, for me, the movie, I, I don't know. It just, it just isn't hitting like that, that chord for me. You know, it's like, there's something there independent for me of its relation to the comic books that just isn't quite hitting for me. I don't, I don't mm-hmm. know what it is, but mm-hmm. there's just something there. Um, it's not Fantastic Four, but even outside, I'm saying outside of that, like yeah. like just looking at it, thinking about it outside of being a Fantastic Four thing, um, there was stuff about it that I, I I don't know. It just and I can't point to anything that I was like I didn't like that, but there was just something about the trailer overall that maybe it was just that kind of subconscious, mm-hmm. like this isn't the Fantastic Four that I was looking for type of thing. But there was something about it that just didn't come. You know, I look, I think that it looks like everybody. For the very few, little stuff, everybody is giving a good performance. I saw no, there. I didn't feel any false notes from anyone really in it. Yeah. Um, I love Michael B. Jordan, so <laughs> I, like I, I'm excited to see him in anything. I think he's a fantastic actor. So and he's very good at playing that type of character. So I think that I, 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 he's going to be fantastic in it. Um, Miles Teller is a very good actor. I mean, he's been in great stuff before. You know, Kate Mara has been in great stuff before. Jamie Bell's been in great stuff before. I have no idea about the guy who was playing Doom. I don't really know. Um, you know what, what's going on with that there uh you know for me there are little things and again i i i i, I haven't read ultimate fantastic four but i you weren't the first one to say that mm-hmm. people have said it on twitter as well that it feels very much like that's what they're doing and you know the whole part about the the the, the and we talked about this with gotham right the the, the ultra tying in of origins mm-hmm. it, it's never something that i, I really love you know i'm it, it's a very movie thing to do um and, and i i understand it but i never really enjoy it as someone who enjoys um the more kind of like naturalistic origins of of things so that i think was part of it uh uh for me but yeah i I, bob i will agree i think that it looks it might be a very good science fiction action movie uh it has all the markings of that but uh i wanted a little bit it doesn't look as dour as that first trailer definitely there's definitely seems like there's at least some levity happening during this thing but you know i would like it 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 doesn't seem to be an adventure movie and that's kind of what i was hoping for but i'd like something that seemed like guardians Mm -hmm. the tone of that Mm -hmm. and it's just not here yeah here here's a uh, may not stun anybody there's more chance of me spending money to see batman versus superman than me spending a dime (laughs) to see this woof all right well you got three differing opinions there there you go but i'm sure when when we get commented on it'll be like how come you guys all hated well here's the thing i mean i've been burned by trailers before i could be you know today all like you know yeah man and then come back oh yeah let's be fair we're reviewing a trailer here yeah like you can't review movie off of a trailer but 
people want to know what we thought of the trailer. So, you said uh, you were really excited about <laughs> it, man. Like, yeah, I know. <laughs> um, all right, so let's move on. Uh, Bob. Speaking of dour, yes. but anyway, <laughs> uh, the very, very delayed, and there's an explanation at the back of the book, and long-awaited, however, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, number two, <laughs> with a couple of interesting cover choices. Uh, Roberto Aguirre Sacasa. Bob has multiple covers of something. No, that's no, issue one. one. Oh, that's issue one. Oh, okay. I thought you had multiple no, covers. No, we have, we have different covers. We do. You've we got do. the uh, Francesco Francavilla, and yes, I've got the Robert Hack cover. <laughs> With Madame Satan, who we'll talk about later. Ooh. She's, she's an old character. Oh, no. I have the Robert Hack cover. You have the Francesca. This is the Francesca? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Look at that. Yeah. Yes, that's right. <laughs> I should have thought of that before I said it. it. It made me go back and reread the first one because it's been so long. It's been a long time. I just wanted to, to catch back up, and that was certainly not uh, a chore mm-hmm. to do. We're continuing the origin story of Sabrina here, where we met her father and mother, and Father was part of a coven of witches, married a mortal woman, made a deal so they could have a child, and then he did some really rotten things to his wife, mm-hmm. and paid for them. Yes. Paid for them dearly, in a way. In this case, he gets, in this issue, he gets to pay again. <laughs> uh, for those who did read the first one, a slight spoiler, he got basically turned into a tree. Mm-hmm. There are worse things than being turned into a tree in the Archie and Sabrina universe of Roberto Aguirre Sacasa. <laughs> because in the last issue, we saw two rivals from Riverdale out in the woods calling up a succubus to try to settle their own little blood feud. They don't think anything came of that, but it does. Because risen from the depths of hell is Madam Satan, in this case her name is Iola, who apparently was the intended wife of Sabrina's father, Edward Spellman. Mm. She's not happy at all this, especially having spent the last few decades in hell. And she is now charged with seducing people and killing them and sending them to hell basically to take her place. She wanders her way back to... Greendale and finds her way to the sanitarium where Serena's mother is and has some charming little adventures there. Yes. Helps Diana out quite a bit. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to go too much further in this. There are so many joys to discover reading through this. This is just an absolutely brilliant comic book. It is scary and chilling, yet so filled with interesting pop culture references where we see Sabrina auditioning for her school play. We're into her sweet 16 years as this book is taking place. And you'll smile at references to movies and songs and the other books in the the Archie universe. And if you loved Afterlife with Archie, that's fun. Don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. And it had its horror moments and we all loved it. But it was that issue six where we saw Sabrina in that, where she was for a year. Well, here we get to build up to that story is great artwork is very much old creepy eerie a little bit of bernie whites bernie writes and some gray marl very scratchy sort of line work but you're in those woods as these terrible things are happening you're stuck in this dark place and you don't feel you can get out and you're still smiling through it that's a really interesting juggling act that's taking place here, and it's just brilliant to me. What did you guys think before I lapse into my history <laughs> lesson? I'll let you guys take it. I actually didn't get to read it. Um, I'm glad I didn't spoil anything. Sorry. <laughs> uh, 
I, I, I mean, I thought it was stupendous. I, I think that both the Archie horror books are, are, are great. And I, I think that, yeah, I mean, it's been, it's funny because it's been a really long time since the first issue came out. And generally when stuff like that happens, even if it's an extra month or something like that, I, 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 I find myself lost about where I was. But I think that this series is so unique to everything else I'm reading that I picked up issue two, read issue two, and really remembered everything that happened in issue one. I, I, di- I didn't have anything that was really missing from my brain, which I, I think that says a lot about how good the book is. Um, you know, when they initially, and you know, the preview pages came out and it was, this story is taking place in the 50s and it's not, it's not going to be the same, in quotes, the same Sabrina that you saw in that play mm-hmm. with Archie. It's that continuation of that story. I, I was disappointed. You know, I was looking for an extension of that universe, see what was going on yeah. with her. Um, but, you know, after two, after only two issues, you know, I've kind of forgotten that, that I was yes. ever disappointed in that. Uh, you're right. The art is so cool. Um, you know, very scary. And there's some really disturbing stuff that happens here. I mean, yeah. the whole thing with the mother is really disturbing and really horrifying. Yeah. And, um, you know, just how it all plays out. But I love that it's it's got these multiple elements of this kind of dastardly horror, but also this, you know, this kind of idyllic teen mm-hmm. uh, life that, that's happening as well, mixed in, albeit with a slight tweak. And, you know, obviously this is... I think after the Archie was a surprise two years ago, three years ago when it came out because we expected it to be a joke, and I think we might get to that a little bit later when we're talking about the, our book of the week this week. I, I you know, expected it to be a joke, and it wasn't. Right? It was. It it was much like something like Shaun of the Dead, which is funny, but it takes the serious stuff seriously. Absolutely. And, and I don't think anybody, any of us, expected that when that book came out. And this book takes it a step farther, where it's not even. It's not even pretending. It doesn't. Have, it has its tongue nowhere near the side of its cheek, right? It's just this is a a a sixties horror story. That's it. Like just read it and go. And there's other elements to it, but that's basically what it is. And I think that the reason you have a smile on your face during the whole thing, and I I think no matter how far they take these characters away from that kind of like big smiles, jokey nature. That's still in the back of your head because it's so ingrained in what Archie, Sabrina, all yeah. these characters are. That part. Some of it's still funny to you just because you're like, you, it's just, you're kind of, you think it's unbelievable that they're doing it's this. It's so out there. Exactly. Right, yeah. With these characters that have been so far different for their whole, you know, entire mm-hmm. existence. So that still exists. You know, you're like, I can't believe they did this with this, you know, with this character or with this character, you know. Her true aunts, who we've loved. For yeah, all yeah. They're years. not nice at all. They're, no, they're terrible. No, they're terrible. And, but I think of like the TV show and I'm like, oh, they're like these silly, like nice women, yeah. you know. Uh, um and, and and you know I, I think that's great uh and I'm really excited to see I hope it you know they said it's gonna come out more, more regularly now and I hope that's true I hope we get to see it uh, all the time I hope that Afterlife with Archie is not not too far away and I hope this announcement of this third horror series they've been talking yeah. about is not too far away because uh, right at this point this line of Archie stuff I'll read anything they put out yeah if it I don't want it to take this many months again. Mm-hmm. It was worth it. Yeah, if it, and, me, and, yeah, yeah. yeah. If it takes the same months to make it good, then absolutely. I'd rather yeah. have a great comic every five months than a okay comic every month. Uh, Afterlife with Archie is another is an example of that, right? Yeah. I mean, it doesn't go out regularly at all. So, you know, there's been six issues in like three years. So. Remember Sandman? 
Yeah. <laughs> oh. Is that still coming out? I I don't. Know. I don't even know at this point. I don't even know what issue they were. So l- sad. It started so well, so well. I think. Yeah, yeah. Maybe when it's collected, I'll read it and it'll be awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Now, really quickly, Madam Satan, who's the, mm. the the character of Iola here, it's it's a really bizarre in joke. It's a real Archie character from the forties. Mm. She was in six or seven issues of Pep Comics. And she was canceled to make room for Archie. <laughs> That's awesome. So that the character is back, and I found I found a lovely website called Stupid Comics <laughs> that actually reprinted this wonderful Madam Satan story. So if you go online to Stupid Comics, you can read about <laughs> Madam Satan, and she's not a nice person there too. Look, and this is all very tongue in cheek, little commentary tracks. But there she is with her, you know, skull face and. <laughs> Uh, making people think that some poor sick woman is actually a vampire so she can steal her husband and send him to hell. <laughs> it's reason it's it's books like this that created the comics code authority is all I'm gonna say. So Madam Satan. <laughs> awesome. Yes, but Chilling Adventures Sabrina number two. Great stuff. Awesome stuff. Really great stuff. Um you know in a couple months we're gonna get that new Archie number one, the Mark Wade Fiona Staples yep. and it, it will we'll, Oh my god. It's an exciting couple of a couple of months going on there. Um they're doing good stuff over there. All right, so uh, my book of the week, uh, Bloodshot Reborn, number one, uh, Jeff Lemire, Miko, I have no, so, Swayan, 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 I'm trying to help you, I can't, I, can't. I, 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 I don't know, Swayan, Swayan, yep, that's, we're gonna go with, we're gonna go with that, all right, um, so, so, uh, colors by David Barron, um, so, so I can't talk about this book without slightly spoiling the end of another book. Let's just say that, okay. all right? Because this is a status quo change for the character. So at the end of the Valiant, um, something occurred, which okay, let's 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 start with who Bloodshot is. He is a uh, a character who has these nanites inside of him, which make him basically indestructible. And for a long time, he was just like a mindless killing machine that was that would have fake memories implanted inside of him, so he would do these horrible things he was you know worked for the he was a government agent type of thing um he got his memory back so he's been acting he was acting like a hero for a while but he still had these nanoscience out of them he still was indestructible he couldn't die and you know he still wasn't full human so at the end of the valiant something happens and i won't spoil what happens completely that heals him and he gets the nanites sucked out of him so he becomes a human being again and he has a chance to start over and make a life uh, but he also has the memories of all of the people, which might be a th- might be th- on the thousands of people mm-hmm. that he's responsible for the deaths of. So he's not doing great. <laughs> One can imagine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's not. He is a depressed. He's a depressed gentleman. Uh, he's like living in a motel. Um, you know, he he has like a job, like a uh, you know a manual labor job, and he's basically kind of not doing anything with this new life he was given. Uh, and he's also kind of going insane. Yeah, a little bit. So he's like seeing like the, you know, people who are dead are talking to him. Um, there's this like, maybe my favorite part of the book, there's like this little like, like animated f- version of himself when he was the way, like <laughs> that, that is talking to him as well. That's shooting like a squirt gun full of acid. That's like his, his gun. And they're all talking. He's going crazy. Blood spurt. Blood spurt. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and he, and there, an event occurs in the book that causes him to find his, his life again, like find, maybe possibly find his purpose again. And 
uh, and it goes off from there. You know, I don't want to get too much into the exact details of the book, um, but I'll say two two things. One thing, the art is awesome. Yes, it is. <laughs> uh, really gorgeous. Stuff. I mean, the first page itself is just there's so much detail in in, in the face, in the in the body, in in in, in the weaponry, and, and everything that's happening. Um, some of it is very gruesome. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, his life has been very very gruesome, but it does a good job of taking you in the first few pages through who Bloodshot was, so you don't have to worry about having read the previous series or any of the other series that he was involved in. In the first few pages, it gives you a catch up of. This is who he is. This is where he is now. Um, so I'll give the book an A plus for that because that's what a number one should be doing. Um, and then we're off to the races. Uh, Bloodshot is a character that I, I, you know, I've been getting into more Valiant books. Bloodshot is a character that I can never really get into. Um, I just didn't like kind of the mindless killing machine aspect of it. And there was cool like science fiction stuff and Manchurian candidates type stuff that was, was interesting to me, but never really caught me in any sort of real way. Uh, but I very much liked The Valiant, and I liked how it ended, so I figured, Jeff Lemire, I'm going to pick this book up. And, you know, I will say that with this and Ninjak and Divinity, which are the, the three books that I'm enjoying the most, that Valiant definitely has three, at least three books that really has me hooked on, on what they're doing. Um, and this book, it's good because it's totally different. Divinity is this kind of Morrison-esque, like, mind trip. Ninjak is this big, fun adventure story. And this is a more you know, 70s action movie type of feel to it. Uh, you know, there seems to be a larger world that they're painting here w- w- with some possible kind of bloodshot copycats, possibly some people maybe bloodshot didn't know existed that maybe maybe have the same powers as them. We don't know. We only get like a bl- like kind of like an offhand news report about something that's going on. Um, but, you know, the psychological stuff I didn't expect. And so I... I there's more to this book than I really thought was going to be there, and so I'm interested to see where it goes from here. Uh, Steve, I know you read it too. I did. What did you think? I enjoyed it a great deal. Um, my boss uh, from JoeBlow.com, he he and I, he's a big comic fan, and so he and I tweet and talk and stuff, and uh, one of the things that he was really excited for was Ninjak, and I had it in my hands, and I put it back, and I didn't get it, and I really regretted it, and he and I were talking, and he's like, are you going to pick up Bloodshot? I was like, should I? He's like, oh, dude. He's like, you got to see these these pages. And he, he, you know, sent me a couple of the uh, interiors. I was like, whoa, yeah, I definitely got to check that out. So I picked this up. And this is, I, I liked Ivar uh, Timewalker when we checked it out. But I mean, this has definitely got my attention the most out of the things that I've read from Valiant. I really, really enjoy, I, I guess I would say, tortured characters uh, I had no idea who Bloodshot was. I got what I feel to be all of the background on him that I needed mm-hmm. and delivered in a way that like it was woven into the new story really strategically and really well. Uh, I like the idea that he's been depowered and he's losing his mind and he's got you know the echoes of a thousand voices of people that he's killed. Like, all of that stuff makes me interested in like who who is that person? What are they feeling? What are they doing? And he's like he's crushing up drugs and he's like uh, reclusive and all of these things, but I know that he's gonna have to go and like take care of business. And when he's losing his mind and has like figments of his imagination coming out like poltergeist style from his television <laughs> and and yeah. kind of coaxing him into his old life, all of that stuff, um, just very very cool. Um, 
don't know why I'm making this comparison, but it almost had kind of like a Jacob's Ladder vibe mm. for me. Um, just in the, the the torture aspect and and like when Jacob is walking around in his life and he's seeing these strange things in the back of cars that kind of look like they're nightmarish things from mm-hmm. like a Phil Collins video or something like <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah. That weird one with the puppets. Yeah. yeah. So uh, all of that stuff I liked. I, I, I really, I liked the whole thing. Um, I'm totally, without a doubt, I, I dropped Ivar for trade, um, not having picked up a second issue. This, I will definitely pick up a second issue and uh, continue reading until I decide to either go trade or just add it to my pull list. Yeah, I, it's uh, really cool. And I, I, I'm excited to see now that this character is in this stage. I think it makes him so much more interesting than, than he was before. So yeah. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be cool to see. It's like you said, like the mindless killing machine thing. I don't know that I would have been able mm-hmm. to get into that. This I'm into. Yeah, I mean, and I'm sure, like, I didn't read that much of it. I'm sure there was there was levels to it that I didn't sure. didn't see. Mm-hmm. But from what I saw, it just didn't it didn't connect with me. And I love the. It's one of those things where it's rare that I think that um, art and story can convey stuff like this. But there's a part where he's like, "The kid really creeps me out." Yeah, and then you're like, "How creepy could the kid be?" And you see the kid, you're like. That kid is pretty creepy. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's like bang. <laughs> it's kind of like with um, like the Winter Soldier, mm. when how like he's he's reprogrammed every now mm. and again. We saw it in the newest Captain America mm. movie. That when that in between stage between when he starts to come off of that like that hypno- hypnosis and starts to remember all he's done and his memories start to kind of creep in. That's when I mean he's an interesting character overall, but in that time before they brainwash him again. That's when he's the most interesting to mm-hmm. me, and that's where this book starts. So that grabbed me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's uh, also very topical, uh, Bloodshot Reborn coming out this week. So uh, at Liberal Bastion on Twitter says, so Valiant and Sony signed a five-movie deal with Bloodshot coming out in two years. What the what? A five-movie deal? So we that's had, brazen. So we had yeah. heard that um, a few months, I think it was a month ago or so, that Valiant had gotten funding, I think from a Chinese company, to start funding their own cinematic universe and start developing movies. Um, and, you know, we hadn't heard about distributors or anything yet, but then uh, just today, on, on Tuesday, when we're recording this, um, it was announced, and this is from The Hollywood Reporter, uh, that, um, so it's a, it was actually, it's a month after Conflict Publisher Valiant revealed it had received a nine-figure investment in its movie and television development arm. The independent publisher is announcing a five-picture deal with Sony Pictures to bring two of its series, Bloodshot and Harbinger, to the big screen cool. starting in 2017. Both Bloodshot and Harbinger will receive two features, each before a fifth movie, Harbinger Wars, which will bring both properties together inspired by the Valiant comic book series crossover from 2013. Bloodshot, targeted for a 2017 release date, will be directed by the John Wick team of David Leitch Leich- no and Chad Seleski. Have you seen John Wick? Mm-mm. Oh. <laughs> Working from a screenplay by Jeff Wadlow, uh, Kick-Ass 2, and Eric Hessinger, The Thing remake, the upcoming st- and the upcoming story of your mm. life. Matthew Vaughn and, J- and Jason Kathari will be will be act as executive producers. Um, and there's no... Uh, Hes- that... Uh, that Heiserer will be writing the uh, Harbinger story, um, but uh, no, obviously no uh, hmm. directors didn't think for that one yet. Not excited about the idea of the guy that wrote Kick-Ass 2 writing the Bloodshot. Yeah, I mean, I think it's always tough with stuff like that because like Jeff Wadlow has also done like independent stuff and, and, and TV stuff, and it's like, you know, you, I, I don't think you can totally base uh, you know his entire career off No, I can't. I'm basing too. it off of that one movie. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, yeah. I thought that movie was shit. Yeah. <laughs> 
Agreed. Um, yes. But uh, and it's also tough, you know. I, I always think it's weird with writing credits in movies because I feel like in the movie world, the writer is like the least respected person in the entire world. So <laughs> the thing you're getting is not necessarily, you know, the thing that right. um, mm-hmm. they intended. Though he also, I think, directed that movie, so who knows in that, uh, that point. You said John Wick. People yeah. who are involved with that are involved in that. Yeah. I, that trumps my dislike of whatever uh, Kick-Ass 2 was. Mm-hmm. I will definitely be interested in this and watching this because John Wick was awesome. Yeah. I, I think it's cool. You know, I, it, it's odd because I don't know. I think going after the John Wick directors is, 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 an, is a good idea because I think, obviously, characters like Bloodshot... Um, characters the, like the Harbinger property, these aren't things that people outside the comic book world are going to know really what they are. I mean, Valiant was a thing, um, and Bloodshot and Harbinger were things in the 90s, right? Yep. Is that what it Jim yeah. Shooter? Yep. Uh, and I, I think there are definitely still, still people who remember it from then, because I have friends who, I remember a friend of mine was getting rid of his comic book collection, he's like, oh yeah, I have all that Valiant stuff, like Bloodshot and Harbinger and stuff like that, and I'm like, I'm like, that's so weird to hear. Like, someone I know who doesn't really even really get involved in the comic book world anymore knows who those characters are. So I'm sure there's a bunch of people who know who they are in, in, in that way. But mm-hmm. I think they're going to have to rely on the movie's premises and the, the talent behind them making them to make them really stand sure. out. Uh, so hopefully that happens here. I haven't seen John Wick yet. I, I understand that it's awesome. So, it is. So it is. Uh, it's something that I'd be interested in seeing. Uh, you know, I. I it's also interesting that Sony makes this deal, you know, uh, considering what happened with Spider-Man earlier in the year, um, and, and maybe trying to kind of enhance their franchise offering. That they've gone to another comic book, you know, outlet to, to help make the movies. You know, I, I, I will always say this. I think that you need to make one movie before you decide it's time to make a universe of movies. I mean, obviously, Valiant like other comic book publishers has a little bit of a leg up because they have a universe of books already to draw from. Um, but you know, I, I think you need that, like you need your Iron Man, you need that successful movie that's going to spawn all the rest of these movies before you can, even if you have the plans for it, I'm not saying you can have the plans yeah. for it, but yeah. before you announce it, like I think you need to know that you have that success on your hands. We have a 13 picture slate coming. Exactly. Yeah. Good luck. Say like um, Bloodshot's Valiant's Punisher, maybe. Maybe, but again, the Punisher has never been a character that's been ultra successful no. in any medium except for the comics. Oh, that Dolph Lundgren one was so good. <laughs> I like that one. Actually. <laughs> actually, a lot. I like the uh, the second Tom newer Jane. one. No, the second new uh, Warzone. Oh, okay. With Ray Stevenson. Yeah. I mean, it's not a great movie, but it's like balls crazy. You know, it's a freaking crazy movie. Um, yeah, but I think, I, I, honestly, I think they'll go from, if they're making like a $100 million you know, tentpole movie, it's going to be something a little more broad, I think, than a Punisher type thing. I think it's going to mm. be a much more, maybe they'll go for like a 70, I mean, with the John Wick guys, definitely some sort of like death wishy 70s action yeah. movie kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's going to be a little bit more mainstream. It's not, it's not going to be rated R, you know, so. That, that's I doubt it. Yeah. I mean, maybe uh, yeah. that would be, that would be, that would make me more interested actually, because I think that's a cool ballsy thing to do is to use that word again. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I mean, I think, especially over the last couple months, reading the stuff and knowing the universe a little bit more, I think it could be good for, you know, for, for a, a medium like movies. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I can't only hope, I can only wonder what someone like Jim Shooter think, <laughs> think about this, you know? It's 20 years too soon is yeah, what he's going to think. Exactly. Yeah. It's crazy, you know? Or any, all the people who were starting with that company at that time, like... Like you, you know, they were doing the thing that the image guys and all, and, and you know, now t- 20 years later, 
after the company was gone for however how many years, yeah. they come back and then two years later, they've got this huge movie deal to make these movies. They were a thing when they were a thing. I'll give you that. Yeah, they were. It, it was like it was a very kind of like sharp rise and then a fast Complete, fall, yes. right? But when it rose, it was books that came in giant albums with you make covers mm. of trading cards. There was an Archer and Armstrong ale. <laughs> in fact, my friend Frank still has a bottle of that. I wouldn't try to drink it after all these years. It's probably Whoa. fermented pretty nicely, but they were right there with Image, mm-hmm. and right. just fell apart. Yeah, hmm. yeah, it's it's crazy to think about. You know, um, I guess there were a lot of companies popping up back then in that kind of. Oh yeah, yeah. No, look, you went through the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle phase where mm. every indie publisher was going to have the next. Kevin Eastman. Yeah. Well, not everyone did. Yeah. <laughs> but we had the radioactive black belt hamsters came out at the same time. I'm not making that up. I'm sure you're not. Yeah. And <laughs> things got worse and worse and worse. And if those initial companies had real creators on real books, mm-hmm. it turned into, you'd get this, Bobby, the worst of the independent film movement. Mm-hmm. Whereas any joker with a camera could go make a movie. <laughs> and occasionally... You know, you fall in crap and come up covered in diamonds. But mm-hmm. generally speaking, though, you end up <laughs> stinking is what happens. And there were a lot of really, really bad books that looked that they've been drawn in someone's basement with a <laughs> with a with a dull number two pencil. Uh, anyway, all right. For another, for maybe for one of our extra broadcasts one of these days, I'll just rant about twenty years of comic book history. I gotta tell you, like that era. As much as I know, it was like really tough era to be around and and and. and it's fascinating to me, like that that the the market and the the conditions that existed that oh. allowed for this stuff to just like pop up like like tree you know just like grow like freaking weeds all over the place and followed by stores that yeah that, that fueled yeah there was a store here for instance here in Patchogue in the town we're sort of recording we're a little mm. bit north of there a guy opened a store it was baseball cards were big then too so lots of cross pollination there. Mm. And you'd go in there looking for the week's Marvel's bookstores, right? The store for my record store. No, we, we specialize in image. And he had racks of it. Do you have anything like from two years ago? Nope. Just that. <laughs> and they didn't rise. They rose as fast as Valiant did, maybe faster. Mm-hmm. And leveled and then plateaued downwards mm. as, as they just kept you know, cranking out the same stuff over and over again. And a lot of those stores vanished with them. Right. They grew, and the speculator market grew, and variant covers, and well, we, we're living that again, and die cuts, <laughs> and glow in the darks, and books in bags that people put in bags, <laughs> which I just absolutely love. <laughs> and now, go on eBay. They're all on eBay, and people are going to send their kids to college. Well, I hope you have like four thousand copies of the Death of Superman that you can, you know, don't mind selling for ten dollars each. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think Rob has like. 15 death of superman full <laughs> collections oh i'm sure in the store yeah. uh yeah it's it's weird right i mean now i've been thinking about this recently about kind of the comic market now and we have obviously marvel and dc um and, and then we have image which is like the the, the other the other big one mm-hmm. and getting bigger but it, it it i think of it almost like television right so Marvel and DC are very much like network TV to me, right? It's like Fox and ABC and NBC mm-hmm. and CBS. And Image feels to me, it feels like HBO, right? It's like that company. Yeah, they can do whatever analogy, they, yeah. they can do whatever they want, but mm-hmm. they just play in the same space that other companies do. What I want to know is who is the company that's going to be like 
the Showtime, you know, who 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 starts making those books that are just as well regarded as the Image book, maybe not as many, uh, you know, but get a, a foothold in that way as well. I mean, I think there's a, I think obviously, I think Boom is is a contender there. Uh, I think they've been doing great stuff. I mean, Dark Horse is obviously IDW is there. You know, I think Oni is somebody that's. Uh, I don't know if they have the funds to put enough books out to be that company, right? Because they don't seem to, they don't seem to put a lot of books out. Uh, but there's all these companies that I feel like one of them is going to step up and be like, it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna go after Image. You know, one of these mm. companies is going to do it at some point. Well, I think that is easily foreseeable mm-hmm. that some little company will find the right creators to do wonderful science fiction horror mm-hmm. and that sort of thing who creates the next shared universe mm. that can really compete in the same way you have to remember when i was a kid there was abc and C- uh, nbc and cbs abc was they were a major network but they were just out of not being a network at all they, they created out of the ashes of dumont and mm. a few other things they had not as many channels as ABC, as NBC and CBS. Their shows didn't get any ratings, and they were just junk. And then they weren't. Mm-hmm. And then you had Fox, which started as mm-hmm. nothing, and turned into oh, they're a real player and had yeah. been for a long time. And yeah, you've seen the CW and whatever mm-hmm. begin to pick up the pieces themselves. Someone's going to find a way to do network type shows. Uh, in this case, you know, big two type comics under the radar and you're looking at all the great creators you jeff lemire mm, doing this mark yeah. wade doing archie yeah. and people all over the place they still love superheroes they want to tell their own story and not feel as constrained as they do yeah with decades of continuity i think it's going to happen and could it be someone we don't even know yet there could be a new company in the way mm-hmm. that image was or dark horse legend were all mm. those years ago it's i can see it happening Ten, in the, these 10 years, somewhere there'll be a new number three. Yeah. Or, or rather, a new number four, because mm-hmm. Image, I think, was, is set there forever. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. See, you know, the one thing I'll say uh, about Image, which I feel like there's space for other companies to come in, is that um, Image puts out great books, obviously, and, and one of the, the next week's shared book of the week is going to be an Image book. Um, but I've been noticing a lot, like, and I talk about this with Rob, and maybe it's just, you know, it, it might not be actual truth. This might be, you know, con- not conjecture, but um, just something that I'm, I'm perceiving. But I feel like most new image books that come out are like science fiction, you know, science fiction books. That's, yeah. I feel like most ones I've opened in the last couple of months have been like, oh, it's a number of image. It's a sci-fi time travel slash yeah. something, you know, and um, not th- I love those stories, but... Even I was like, "What? Is, what was the one? The Run Love Run Kill? Run Love Kill was yeah. like straight up Aeon Flux." Yeah, I opened it. And mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh, it's a science fiction book," and I kind of was like, "Another science fiction book," <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm wondering, like, like something like uh, Giant Days from Boom is interesting because yeah. it's totally slice of life, and it's. I'm wondering what that, what that, because it's something you can't perceive, right? What's the next genre that's going to all of a sudden blow up? And I'm interested to see what that ends up being. Giant Days reminds me of like. Like a short season Netflix show mm-hmm. could be something like that. Cool. Yep. All right, Steve. Your yeah. assignment yeah. was Archie versus Predator number one. It was. Why don't you tell us a little bit about this book? All right. Well, it was. Let's go through the. The title is, you know, buries the lead, obviously. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Archie versus Predator uh, number one of four. Uh, script by Alex DeCamp. Uh, Pencils, uh, man, Fernando Ruiz, 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 uh, and inks by Rich Koslowski, colors by Jason 
Millet. Is the, is the T silent? Uh, probably. Probably. One T? Yes. Somebody Millet. will yell at me. And Millet. John Workman. Filet. Filet. Millet. All right, so here's the deal. Um, the uh, Archie gang from Riverdale uh, are at its vacation time from school. Everybody's off doing their thing. And they've kind of done the same thing uh, vacation after vacation, whether it be camping or tubing. And they're getting a little bored. And uh, so it turns out that, uh, oh, my God, I, I, I want to call him. I, I can only call him Juggy now. What the hell? <laughs> Jughead. 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 Thank you. Holy. <laughs> sorry. Um, Jughead goes and wins a uh, luxury beach vacation courtesy of Tato Chips. And can magically bring like eleven people on this thing that he won out of a bag of potato chips. All the graduating class of Riverdale right? High gets to go. Right, like you win a trip for you and all of your friends. So Betty, Veronica, Archie, Jughead, and and several of their classmates um, go to this kind of a Caribbean island for a vacation, and it turns out that one of their friends is a stargazer. And he goes to his hut, and he's all excited, and he looks up into the sky, and he sees kind of like a green uh, shooting star, which happens to be the vessel that transports the predators, I'm assuming, to their kind of um, their hunting grounds, like their graduation hunting grounds. All the predators have to hunt um, the, the game of humans and bring back the, the skulls and prove themselves before they can move up and rank in the predator hierarchy of hunters and whatever. And so they've chosen uh, Archie and their friends as their targets. And I got to say, I, you know, I assigned this book jumping off of what I know from Afterlife with Archie and from Sabrina, thinking that this, I did not see any of the interiors. I didn't see any of the art, thinking that this was going to be like a Francovilla horror style, you know, dark, bloody thing. And it is completely the opposite of that. It is very much in the vein of like mainline Archie with like, you know, Jeepers and Gee Willikers and, you know, uh, ice cream sundaes and, and all of that stuff. And nobody drinks alcohol and, you know, they want shakes while they're away on their vacation and stuff. And lo and behold, there's a predator uh, in their midst on the island. Um, basically, not so much carving his way through them, <laughs> making a kill or two, but not as as uh, bloody as you would have would have guessed. But um, I mean, that's the setup for it. It's pretty much cut and dry, Archie versus Predator. Uh, and there's a little bit of a hook uh, towards the end that I, I will not spoil. But um, okay, so that's the deal with what it is as far as my impressions go. Um, it was fun. It was not what I expected it to be. It was not what I was hoping for. But I still had a good time with it. And I think a lot of that stems from my not having an exposure to the Archie universe. I've never read like a straight up like do-gooder Archie book before. And so it was really kind of funny and interesting to me to open up this book and be like, oh God, like everybody's gonna kill me. Like it's gonna it's gonna be, you know, old school Archie, but let's go and check it out. And I liked the blend of like, like I said, do-gooder Archie, like everybody's kind of very innocent and being placed on an island with the Predators. I would have liked more from the Predator angle, but in, you know, horror movie fashion, this is only a four-issue run. 
the first 15 minutes to a half hour is always introducing your players and introducing your victims. That's what they do. So the fact that we didn't get very much Predator, I'm willing to forgive that um, for the sake of my kind of being introduced to the way that Archie is written in this way. The fact that the Predator is there is just a cherry on top of the Sunday for me. Um, I was hoping for more, but I got a good couple of laughs out of it. And you know what? It's it's something different. It's something that I'm not reading elsewhere. So I enjoyed it. Anybody else? Well, we don't have Stephanie here, but I did read Archie when I was a kid, which is, you know, some yep. half a century ago. <laughs> and Alex DeCampi really does capture those characters and their interaction. Well, you get the Betty and Veronica rivalry still going on to the point that, you know, poor Betty gets a broken nose in this case from a, a, a waylaid uh, pocketbook, I believe it is. Uh, Reggie being in typical self mooses around and, and so on. Jughead's acting like Jughead. Really well done. The art really captures what that the feel of those old books are. You, mm-hmm. John Goldwater way, way back and Dan DiCarlo certainly. There couldn't be less Predator in this book. We should warn people. There's, yeah. there's yes. a total of three panels of Predator yeah. and the cover and about six panels of the Predator yeah, yeah. things going on. Yeah, the Predator vision. Yeah. Uh, I, I, as you did, Steve. I did enjoy it. I was, it was a fun, trifling read. Mm-hmm. I, I think this as a larger original graphic novel or a double sized issue that would have been six dollars or whatever, where I had a beginning, middle, and end. I would have enjoyed a lot more than think I have to come back for this because I'm not so sure that issue two will have you know, but six panels of the Predator, <laughs> right? As it gets to Riverdale. Mm-hmm. That said, I what we read, I enjoyed. I would not say it was anything but a, a really fun, light read. And after reading things like Sabrina, yeah. I, it was nice to see the other side of those characters again. Yeah, I mean, I would say knowing what you're getting into it, 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 and what you're going to get is probably the the biggest thing you can say about this book because it's tough to review it like you review a normal issue of a comic, right? Because yeah. It's very much going for this satirical mix of ex- insanely old school and sweet and this the, the universe's greatest hunter type of thing. Uh, yeah, there is not enough Predator in it. That is, I'll give that a criticism straight out across the yeah. board. In a book called Archie versus the Predator, there should be some Archie versus the Predator in the first <laughs> issue. It's true. You know, there should be at least something. There should be at least one thing, you know, that's like, whoa, that's, am- that's so cool kind of thing. It's not there. Uh, you're right. The art is very evocative of kind of this classic Archie stuff, and the characters look. You have to know that when you're reading these these characters, they're going to talk like. See, they're going to talk. Gee, they're going to say things like "Gee Willikers," and like the 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 conversations are going to be very mannered and different than a normal like naturalistic book. So much different than Afterlife with Archie. You know, if if yeah. you're, I, and I think that that's. I, I honestly think a lot of people who. I've been into Afterlife with Archie, might pick this book up just because, oh, you know, I've been liking this kind of like mashup stuff or whatever, and and it's going to like be a complete shock to them. And, it, you know, to be honest, I thought it was going to be a little more in line with that as well. Not, I knew it was going to be more like the other cross, they did like Archie meets Glee and like all the kind right. of, I knew it was going to be like <laughs> something a little bit more silly, but I thought there would be a l- little bit more of that. And I think that's not a criticism of it, it's just like what I was expecting versus right. what I got. Um, so there's definitely that. Uh, I, I think what I think is very funny, and it's funny reading this after having read Afterlife with Archie, because it gives you like a very interesting look at these characters in a more like ground level kind of way, not like an idealistic way. 
And so when I see uh, who are like the weird incest twins, Cheryl and Jason, yes, on yeah. the boat, like there's some like weird stuff that happens left right with Archie with them. And so when I see them in this, I'm like, you guys are skeevy. Like yeah, you guys yeah. are a little too close to one another. Uh, I know you're really not supposed to think that reading it, but it, it definitely seeped into my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but I, I, like you said, I think the art is very good. And you know, and the thing is, like, there's very, there's very simplistic problems and resolutions in the book right there's like in one minute betty is like super angry i mean veronica's super angry at betty and then one little thing happens and she, she's like oh i'm so sorry you know I, we're best friends and i it, know a good plastic surgeon yeah, yeah, yeah. Knows. <laughs> and if you've read archie in the past you know that's just kind of the yeah. way it goes right and, and um archie's kind of much like more like he was in the original books not like afterlife with archie where he's just kind of like this like i'm just here (laughs) you know like forget about these two girls like completely killing themselves over me like i'm just never gonna choose i'm just gonna sit here in the middle like he's kind of like a there's like a shell he's kind of like an empty vessel kind of for the for the reader um and he's like that here so these are things you have to realize about the book Nothing that, that should make you enjoy the book any more than you did or you didn't. Uh, but for me, it was definitely one of the things I read it. And I, I was disappointed there wasn't more Predator. And I definitely was like, I'm not going to pick up a second issue of it. Mm-hmm. It's just not what I'm looking for in like a month to month. I need to read this book kind of thing. Right. Right. So. I mean, it was an interesting, like for me, it was almost like a, like an educational exercise mm-hmm. in, in these characters. I mean, this is the first time that I'm reading them. My first introduction to Riverdale kids is Afterlife with Archie. So you're going wow. backwards <laughs> yeah, yeah. to this other extreme. And like, what was cool for me is is this one page where the Predator's uh, ship is, is touching down on the island. And it says, when you wish upon a star. And so like all the main players are wishing upon, you know, the green star they see in the sky. And you've got Archie going, you know, a memorable holiday, like good old boy. Uh, you got Jughead, an all-you-can-eat buffet. Oh, Jughead. Uh, you know, um, Betty's like, Archie. It's like, aw, she's so, you know, get it together. And Veronica's like, flawless victory. That was funny because I've been playing Mortal Kombat X a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I laughed at that. Uh, you got Reggie, like, third base. <laughs> and and uh, death to the proletariat. Yeah. What? <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, you know. An, an educational exercise in who these characters are in their old school form, but I mean, I don't know that I would that I would pick this up unless I hear that there's like total predator carnage by the end. I don't know that I'll be revisiting it. Yeah, issue two is by J. H. Williams. Yeah, no, <laughs> that would be. Oh man, you fool me for a second. Yeah. I mean, it would be. It would be definitely be. It's something I might look at like in trade because I think it. I, I like. The, like it's like kind of like we talked about those like like Kaiju Max a little bit in those other books like the joke can work for me if I have to sit there and just read through it in one sitting and it has yes. my attention the joke loses its flavor for me over multiple like a regular release schedule yeah. of comic books like the joke of like oh it's Archie and Predator isn't that funny like I'm like yes well, that's why I signed it <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes yes the the first time I read it funny now i'm gonna like okay let's just let, you know let's go on yeah it could be something by the time that you even get to like if issue two doesn't deliver mm-hmm. by the time issue three comes out you're just gonna go eh. all right so let's hear what our, our yeah. listeners thought um so uh if you guys want to get your thoughts right about the books it's hashtag tcbotw on twitter um this is at joe state uh adx says i found it really hard to enjoy because of the dialogue i appreciate a slow build-up but this seemed to drag on 
um, giant monsters attack says, I'm a gosh darn sexual Tyrannosaurus, won me over. A fun start, but I demand blood, gore, and more nods to the movie. Um, that's a, that was one of the lines from the book, not Giant Monsters Attack wasn't saying that they were a god gosh darn sexual Tyrannosaurus. No, that's Jesse Ventura from the original. <laughs> yeah. It's his great line. Um so uh AVP was not it's, it's I love it. The AVP. Initial, the <laughs> AVP. Uh this is from Sammy Cassell. AVP was good, not great. Typical Archie Fair, but a lack of predator uh oh my goodness, we got a new we got a new tweet, I think. So uh love Sabrina. Oh yeah, the, the, we didn't talk about this, the one page backup. The Sabrina meets Hellboy thing that was, good. was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that was almost worth the entire the entire price of the book. Um, loved Sabrina Hellboy though. Um, Jughead he wrote hashtag Jughead's got jokes. Um, <laughs> at Chris Fabulous says I don't know man I didn't like it or dislike it. It does it does look like it will deliver on what it's promised in the title. Um, the cat. This is from at just drew vg. The cast's blissful ignorance to the violence, despite raining blood, was hilarious. Lots of fun. Archie v Predator. Dawn of ignorance. <laughs> <laughs> um, Tim uh, Vargulish says not as much Predator as I'd like, but had a really fun classic Archie vibe to it. Um, and that was that was it. Um, oh, Liberal Bashin says Red Archie versus Predator. Sort of meh. Not really my thing. And that just came in one minute ago, so you just got it in underneath the wire, Oof. Mike. Just underneath the wire on that one. Um, it did send me back to watch Predator, I can tell you that. Oh, man, I love that movie. That's definitely the, one of my favorite If it bleeds, action you can kill movies it. <laughs> ever. Uh, it was one of those movies, like, my uncle used to babysit me, and, I, and he would always put on movies that I really wasn't supposed to see, like all these R-rated action movies, <laughs> and that was one of them, and I just fell in love with that movie. I fell in love with that movie. I was too young to watch a movie like Bullet and right. enjoy it at all. I was like, this is boring. <laughs> Just a car. There's Who no cares? monsters. Yeah. He's like, yeah, but look at this look at this car chase. I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just a guy. <laughs> um so uh I'm assigning the T C B O T W for this coming week and it's gonna be Koptara number one uh, story by Chip Zdarsky, art by Kagan McLeod. Um and this is the description for everybody out there. Oh, that's awesome. A space exposition goes horribly wrong because if it didn't, there would be no story. <laughs> Reluctant explorer Keith Kanga and his crew crash land on Kaptara, a world filled with danger and weird danger and dangerous weirdos. And if he can't survive, then Earth, the place where you live, is doomed. <laughs> Join Chip Zdarsky, um, Sex Criminals the Duck, and Kagan McLeod, Infinite Kung Fu, as they put the Phi back into sci-fi and pretty much disregard the Psy part in this epic story of punching and love. <laughs> that sounds good. <laughs> So it's Kaptara number one from Image Comics. That will be out uh, this week, and that will be your TCBOTW for next week. Um, so really, one, only one more thing to talk about, really, and that's the... Uh, there's a rumor that, Bob, I know that you were very mm-hmm. excited about. You sent email email I chain out. Email chain. <laughs> Apparently, flying around the internet where these things go, but I actually got it by... Someone sent me the emails. Carolyn sent... Carolyn Coca sent me the email... That it was from Comic Alliance. We we should credit them and also say no one else has jumped on this yet. Mm-mm. But there's a rumor that John Ridley, who's the showrunner, writer, producer of uh, American Crime, that ABC is running to good reviews but not great ratings. Apparently, they want to keep him around. They have offered him a Marvel property that may be Ms. Marvel. 
as a series that will fill in the gaps between Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. half seasons. Like Agent Carter. Right, which apparently is going to be renewed. It was mm-hmm. in the same article. So there may be Marvel on ABC the entire year. Mm. And the other rumor that goes with it is, how do you sort this out without Carol Danvers being involved? Where does the Ms. Marvel come in? They were sort of describing in this article as a slow build, a young girl in Jersey City getting powers, and then eventually we bring Carol into this so at some point. So leading into Captain Marvel. Yes. Ooh. So I am very excited about how all this sort of works. And when you add that, they've signed writers for Captain Marvel, mm-hmm. uh, Nicole Perlman, and... I'm looking for the name because I forgot. Rachel LaFleurg. <laughs> is, that, is, that, is that true? No. <laughs> okay. It's close, though. <laughs> I'm in the ballpark. It may not be LaFleurg. <laughs> so it's pronounced that way, but I'm going to go with that for now. But the... ABC is willing to flesh out their Marvel Universe, too, I find fascinating. And this is, wow, a female-led character on television. You know, when we've now done Supergirl. We did Agent Carter. We, you know, we did Witchblade years ago. And we did, you know, Linda Carter's Wonder Woman, Birds of Prey. But in this modern incarnation of this, to take that character, you know, someone who is an other, you know, we, we've got a, a representation for a minority and for people from Jersey City. Sorry, Joey. <laughs> so we've got all sorts of stuff going on there and I'm pleased as punch if this comes true Meg Lefoive say I was close I was close she Rachel Lefleurg is not that far <laughs> off uh, she wrote uh, Inside Out the Pixar movie that's coming out I cannot wait oh. to see that movie so um, yeah you know I, there's there's a couple rumors floating around there's the rumor that there's going to be an Agent of the Shield spinoff that Bobby Morse uh, will be the lead mm-hmm. of. That's a rumor that's going around. Then there's this Ms. Marvel rumor that, that popped up. Um, I'm sorry, what is the writer's name again that they want to keep? John Ridley. John Ridley. He wrote 12 Years a Slave. Yes. Yeah, he's Oscar-winning writer. Um, that he's going to be working on a project for ABC, a Marvel project. I think the Ms. Marvel thing is a stretch, especially because of the Carol Danvers thing. I just don't... Look, I think they want to strike when the iron's hot, so I think it's very it's very possible they're talking about it. Um, I think it's tough to do that story, and then, I mean, what do you call it? Do you call it Kamala Khan? Because if you call it Ms. Marvel, like, she can't be called Ms. Marvel until there's a Captain Marvel, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the John Ridley thing is much more, uh, it seems much more likely that he is working on, they haven't mentioned, I don't think they've announced a showrunner for Luke Cage yet. Um, and yeah, haven't they spoken about someone? They they they, they don't have a, a staff for it yet. I don't mm-hmm. think. I mean, I could be totally wrong. I, I thought there was a story out a couple of weeks yeah, ago okay. where they were okay. Maybe they do. But I, somebody. But I. But that's. It seems more likely to me than Ms. Marvel, a project we haven't heard of. I mean, I would love that to be true. I I, I think that they've obviously seeded it in the in Agents of Shield because they were doing Inhuman stuff. So that exists and it's there and, and you're able to yeah. do it. Um, I just don't know how you do a season or even six, eight episodes like Agent Carter without giving her an, like, how does that origin work out? I know they said that maybe she's just obsessed with superheroes in general and then maybe Captain Marvel when she comes right. aboard. But I mean, they're talking, Captain Marvel is not for three years, you know? So it, it, I don't know how right, that They've works. said they don't want to unleash that character on the comic book movie world until they can do a full origin. They don't want to yeah. do a little bit and piece there of Carol. Yeah. So how can, uh, you, how can you have a legacy character before you have the, uh, the Yes, well, look what happened with them with Ant-Man and Ultron and how it's they true. had to it's true. finagle themselves back around to that. Yeah. 
only because of all the inhuman things that are happening and what we saw happen with Sky's character mm. becoming mm-hmm. an inhuman and we're heading in that full-blown direction yes. on, uh, the way the show has, has mm. been running. It's all possible that just as you're saying, we've got this character that right now has commanded the attention of a lot of non-comic book readers that may bring eyes to this show that wouldn't ordinarily. And if you wait three years for that to happen... Can she just be? Can she the show be called Ms. Marvel because someone names her that, and mm-hmm. we go with it, and we come back around? Yeah, it's possible. I'd rather see it the other way. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, we'll see. It's just a it's, it's a very just, it's, it's a very big room. rumor right yeah. now. So who knows? But it's fun to talk about. Yeah. And someone tweet us the name of the Luke Cage thing if I turn out to have been <laughs> really fouled up. That was, it was around, and I I'm I'll, just I'm gonna look it up right now. Look it up right now. I'm gonna look it up right now. We're talking while well, I'm looking oh, it up. It was it was oh it oh it's someone who did. No, don't remember. I, get it. <laughs> I, I, I need to be drinking instead of drinking Coca-Cola. I remember it, but I don't. By looking it up what? I'm looking up who the show... Oh, there it is. It happened just a few weeks ago. Netflix Luke Cage series gets a showrunner. Uh, Cheo Hadori Coker will also write the first two episodes. Um, Almost Human and Ray Donovan, co-executive producer. Ooh. Cheo Hadori Coker uh, oh. as the showrunner for the upcoming Luke Cage series. Almost Human was so good, and they canceled it. Almost Human was good. Ray Donovan's also good. It's a Showtime show. Uh, so let's talk about what we're excited for that's coming out this week. Oh, I knew you were going to ask me. I'm totally underbearing. Uh, let me ask Bob. Good. Oh, you better you better really go, be quick, Steve. Because <laughs> for the... In my 55-odd years of reading comic books actively... I'm buying one book this year. It's the lowest total for a week I have ever achieved. This is not a good thing. We should just buy Kaptara then, because it'll be. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm getting Squirrel Girl number four <laughs> with the wonderful Galactus cover, and that's it. Wow. I'm sad. I don't. I don't have a whole lot to talk about <laughs> next week. So we'll see what happens when I go I'm back. Sure you'll go into the, the archives. Yeah. Well, I've I've held off on reading volume two of Bandette just on that basis did you manage to get your hands on that yeah the hardcover yeah damn you <laughs> i tried to get it the other day and they did not have it i was very disappointed i cried um me uh frankenstein underground number two uh mike mignola uh, in the hellboy universe that's coming out this week i'm excited about that um you know i'm there's a couple of convergence um tie-ins that i'm excited for adventures of superman um the hawkman book um, New Teen Titans, which is Marv Wolfman and Nicholas Scott. I'm I'm very interested in that, um, and the Flash as well. I'm I'm also excited for. So th- those are the books there. I'm excited for. Um, I'm trying to see. I mean, obviously Kaptara, which is I'm I'm very psyched about. Um, Empire Uprising, which is a uh, Barry Kitson, Mark Wade uh, web comic they did for Thrillbent that's not collected and it's coming up for IDW monthly. So I think that's going to be cool. Um, always up for some Mark Wade stuff. Uh, yeah, I mean, Steve, I bet you're excited about Deadly Class. Yeah, that's actually, yeah, Deadly Class, uh, Squirrel Girl number four, and there's a little book coming out called Uncle Scrooge number one. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I'm interested in it, but it is coming out. <laughs> uh, that's really, I, I, you know, I looked at this week's list and it's very slim for me. I might check out Infinite Loop. Yeah, it looks cool. Um, that that Captara book that you signed uh, was not on my radar until you mentioned it, but now I'm I'm totally psyched for it. My girlfriend just won her first hockey game. Nice, nice. Oh man, she's gonna be psyched. Um, I'm really, 
I've been reading like the only convergence thing that I read from this past week was the Catwoman one that was actually quite good. But I'm just I'm not following that event um, like I thought I would. I was very disappointed in the first in the zero and one issue. And I just I just don't have the money to, to invest in something out of curiosity or wanting to stay in the loop. I'd rather read it when it's done, if that. Um, but yeah, I don't know. This might end up being a very light week for me as well, which is all right, because I've been d- digging into some other stuff that I've been meaning to read. And that's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, Invisible Republic number two is coming out, and I'm very excited about that. I loved that book last cool. week um, and last month. And uh, two Valiant books, uh, Ninjak number two comes out, and Divinity number three is out. If I can find the reprint of one of Ninjak, I would I would grab it and then grab Ninjak two and, and dive into that as well. All right. Cool. Yeah, that's what I'm excited for. Um, oh, we had one question I wanted to get to ah. really quickly here. Um, this was... Uh, from Soraya Fletcher about uh, the Netflix Daredevil series said with Wade moving to Avengers, has there been any announcement on who is taking over as writer of Daredevil? Do you think the comic will take a darker tone to mesh better with the Netflix show? Uh, there's been a no announcement yet. Of who's taking over that book. We really have no announcements uh, save for knowing that Mark Wade is working on this Avengers book. We really don't know anything that's going to be post secret wars. Um, but the second part of your question uh, about do we think after Wade leaves, the tone goes back uh, or goes to a more to reflect the Netflix show uh, for me, I think absolutely. Uh, and I, I don't think it's even, I mean, the show being as well received as it is, is, is no hindrance to this. But uh, if you look at the history of daredevil, the Mark Wade run is really the exception that proves the rule in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. I mean, the last 30 years of the character have been much more in line with the tone of that show than the, the than the Mark Wade uh, run has been. So, I think you'll absolutely see it going back. You know, it might not go back as dark and gritty as the Bendis Brubaker stuff, but I think you're definitely mm-hmm. going to move away from um, the more smiley Matt Murdock of, of the Wade years that, that we've gotten. I don't know, Bob, what do you yeah, think? Yeah, I agree, because we only had 15 years or so of it being sort of what it is now and yeah. everything else. Yeah, everything else, yeah. From Frank Miller on yeah. was pretty dark. And there were dark moments even before that. Right. But there was still... A, mm-hmm. A balance who gets to take it over is the know. interesting question yeah who, who would you as, as the daredevil reader among us it's tough it's tough man i you know i i'm thinking about this and like you know daredevil is like we talked about before daredevil is a b maybe a c character in popularity wise up until this point um but if you look at the history of the character i mean it's basically been uh a who's who of comic book writers yeah. huge huge names like you know uh for, i mean obviously stan lee creates the character right. but you've got um did roy thomas work on the, the yeah, book sure roy thomas? everywhere so. right yeah, right yeah here. you know we got frank miller you've got denny o'neill um you know you've got casada you've got Brian michael bendis you got ed brubaker you've got mark wade you know these are gig- giants in in in, mm. in in comic book world so it's gonna be somebody of note it's not gonna be a, a, a you know a throwaway book um, I have a feeling it's going to be somebody younger that's on the way up. So, you know, my thought is maybe someone like Joshua Williamson, um, you know, someone like that, someone who has a lot of cachet right now, who Ooh. maybe isn't huge in the, uh, at the big two yet. I think it's all, I think Lemire's also a possibility. He seems like he's kind of part of the Marvel gang. Now he's writing Hawkeye. He was at the retreat yes. this past week. So, 
I, I think you'll see him doing more stuff for them. So I think it's possible, and I think that he's already shown, if you read his Green Arrow stuff from DC, that he he's able to work in that world. That's an interesting choice. Yeah. Very well. So, um, and honestly, I think that if he reteams, I don't know, if he reteams with who he did Green Arrow with, which is Andrea uh, Sorrento, mm-hmm. Sorrentino, mm-hmm. who's now Marvel exclusive. I mean, I think that th- those two people, I think Sorrentino himself be fantastic as a Daredevil artist, no matter who the writer is. But I think that pair back together, writing that book, I think could be really interesting. Mm. Now I want to see that. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't turn out to be that. I'm very disappointed. <laughs> I mean, my, my dream would be that Greg Rucka would come back and do regular work for the big two and write the character. Mm-hmm. Cause I think he'd be absolutely perfect to do it. But Williamson's a great choice too. I think it'd be awesome. Yeah. He's, I think he's the right level of, he's got enough sense of adventure to him in his writing, but he's also got that, that darker stuff down, but he knows how to grab kind of the, the, so people have people smiling, even though there's stuff really mm-hmm. dark stuff going on. So I think he's, he's, I mean, I think he, he's primed to write something big anywhere. I think that that's going to happen soon. If, if he wants it to, obviously, uh, but yeah, I yeah, think Nathan Edmondson maybe, maybe yeah. my, my, like I, I think he could obviously do it. But for me, Nathan Edmondson is it's always like I, I always really like like the first arc of stuff he does, and then I just it doesn't keep me gotcha. involved. Happened with Black Widow, the same thing. Like mm-hmm. I loved like those first four or five issues, and then yeah. it just lost me after a while. I'm know? waiting. I'm gonna I'm gonna I decided the other night that I'm gonna try to grab the trades mm. of that when they're around because Phil Noto is still doing art on that, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. See that's. Even even though I might have tired it from month to month, I would really like to read that as one big like opus with with that art uh, and that. I liked it. It just wasn't, yeah, phenomenal. Yeah. So we'll see. I mean, again, I I think that it's going to be somebody relatively big or relatively uh, well regarded that's that's going to, yeah. to take it take it over, um, especially now because now it's a property that they know is is very much in the public consciousness in a way that's probably never ever been. In, no. in, a, in the positive sense. <laughs> <laughs> Rex Smith in that Hulk movie? No. Actually, let's, why not? Do we really talk about the Daredevil movie he, ever? He talked about it. He hated it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I mean, just, I, when I, I, I kind of like it. I, lo- I think the director's cut is pretty good. Um, you know, obviously, it's from that era of comic book movies, so it gets a lot of stuff wrong. Well, yeah. But I think that Ben and Affleck is really good as Matt Murdock. I think there are aspects of what Jennifer Garner does that's very are very good. Aspects of what Michael Clark Duncan does that are yeah. very good, and aspects of what Colin Farrell does as Bullseye that are very good. I just think that there's misses everywhere yeah. along the way that stop it from being good. And then it's just like there's too much of like the evanes- evanescence like rock soundtrack yeah. stuff. The seesaw fight did it for me. The se- I, I don't I like, I, I like the seesaw fight. Whoa. I don't like the scene where she's practicing on the. 600 sandbags she has in her in her house i hated imagine the person that has to clean that up and then reset (laughs) all of that stuff yeah like the real guy on the set like she walks out grabs her towel on the way out she's like you know thanks and the guy's just like yeah great take two what i always think about that movie is the very beginning you know uh he like gets the guy in the subway or whatever and then joey pants is ben yurik comes in and he and he, uh, you know, he flicks the cigarette down, and the the <laughs> DDs. I always like to think about like Ben Affleck as Matt Murdock doing that, like taking the gasoline and being like, and like rushing to make the letters. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> while the train comes in, the yeah, station, yeah, 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 yeah. And they're, they're coming, and like he like has to run away, and he's like watching from behind, like just drop, make sure you drop. You have to drop your cigarette right there. 
you know <laughs> it's like at the end of dark knight rises with like the the big batman symbol on the side of the yeah. building it's like did you really take the time <laughs> to do that <laughs> You called, called Acme and they did yeah, it for you. Your city's going to blow up. Oh, my um, God. But, uh, See, the fight in the church to me is where the whole movie really fell apart. With the apart. one with Bullseye? Yeah, it is so, and that's early, lousy CGI. Yeah, yeah, you're right. That they, they have no weight to them. Mm-hmm. Oh, and the it's knives. Just, they're, they're bouncing around all over the place. Yeah, it's, yeah. Wow, this, they make Spider-Man. Yeah. I remember the, oh. I, I liked the uh, the end of it, the way he kind of like fools him and he shoots him, gets shot through the yeah. hand. Um, yeah, there was something I liked about that movie, definitely. And I remember being a big defender of it when it came out and like then seeing it later and being like, well, I think I defended it a little too much. <laughs> but <laughs> I still like things about yeah. it. Um, but it, yeah, it's interesting uh, now that, that, this, that the TV show's out to see like the different receptions to the character. But Have you seen the TV show yet, Bob? Nope. Oh, man. <laughs> I don't get Netflix. I'm well, we got to figure guys. that out. When I come back from Canada, we'll figure that out. Yeah. Yeah, everyone's offered me their password. Yeah, or whatever. actually, you can borrow mine. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll, I'm going to buy the DVDs. Mm. I still want to own the things. Mm. All right, well, I think that's going to wrap up uh, the show f- yeah. for this week. Um, you guys can get in touch with us at Talking Comics on Twitter, podcast at talkingcomicbooks.com. Um, and make sure you go to talkingcomicbooks.com for all of the reviews and columns and a bevy of podcasts that we have. Of course, you're listening to Talking Comics. We have Talking Movies with uh, Brian Verderosa, Chris Oliphant, and Nick Scalia. They're doing a um, post-apocalyptic slash chase movie, uh, double double curriculum leading up huh. to Mad Max Fury Road. They're going to watch 1990 The Bronx Warriors? Uh, I don't know, Bob. They should. They Escape watched, from New York. They watched The Road Warrior. Well, that's a good start. <laughs> Has Brian ever seen The Road Warrior? No. <laughs> he saw Mad Max and he hated it, so that's why he never saw Road Warrior. Well, did he see it in English or in Australian? I probably, I don't I have no idea, Bob. <laughs> well, that's a problem. They, du- they dubbed it. Um, but uh, They did. <laughs> make things like that up. But uh, they're doing that. those movies. Uh, we have The Misfits with Stephanie Cook, Melissa Megan, and Mara Wood. Um, they just did a show about RPGs. Uh, we also have Talking Valiant with Adam Shaw. Uh, and uh, the, the new episode just went up this just, just yesterday, I guess, when you're listening to this uh-huh. uh, Tuesday. So check that out. Uh, and of course, talking games. Steve Say, Jackie Turner, Rob Newmeyer, and Justin Townsend. Yeah. Um, what's your guys' topic this week? Uh, I'm hosting the show this week. Whoops, I dropped my phone. Uh, there's not really. We haven't really been going with topics lately. There's been just too much going on in the news to really focus down. It's very mm. spread out right now. Uh, we've been playing a lot of games. I wasn't on the show last week, so I've I've finished three games since I've been on the show. So I got a lot uh, to say, including stuff about I don't know Titan Souls. Uh, I finished Bloodborne. Uh, I finished Life is Strange episode two. I know that um, Justin's been playing Bastion. Mm. So uh, yeah, we got uh, just games, games, games. We're we're leading into the middle of the year. Going to start evaluating how we feel about this year so far, and. Uh, you know, just have a good time. We just we goof around and talk about stuff. Mm-hmm. We, it's very loose. Uh, and uh, check out the special edition feed as well, which has comics and coffee, which is live every Friday morning at 9 a.m. And uh, backup stories with Justin and Rob. My personal Twitter is at Bobby Shortle. Steve. <laughs> My personal Twitter is at dead underscore anchorous. Bob. Bob Ryer at TalkingComicBooks.com. And uh, at HelloCookie, obviously, is Stephanie's uh, Twitter handle. Meow, meow, meow. Uh, But you all know that already. Uh, (laughs) uh, If you guys are so inclined, uh, head over to uh, 
uh, click on the Become a Patron button on uh, a Talking Comics website and uh, check out our Patreon offerings. Uh, we have doing exclusive podcast for Patreon members. Uh, we've been doing, I do these little behind the scene videos every week or try to do them every week. Uh, every time we come up with a kind of, a, kind of like a, I come up with a kind of like offbeat idea that's not really right for this show. I record it and we put it up uh, for the Patreon members. So Brian and I did like the day a- the day of the Star Wars trailer, like on the way home. Mm-hmm. I had like this call recorder app and we like talked about the Star Wars trailer and, and we put it up. You know, uh, we played the movie game uh, one, one one time. So stuff like that. You know that 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 will go up there. Um, so that's interesting to you guys. Check that out um, and uh, you know give whatever you can if you can. And also if you're interested in any of the merch, uh, there's a shop tab on talkingcombooks.com as well. We sell shirts, sweaters. Uh, there's some mugs up there, iPhone cases stuff like that so if you guys are interested check it out um and, and see if it's something that you would like to have um and if you get if you guys get shirts or any of the merch make sure you take some pictures of them and tweet them at us so we know uh, that you got them yeah. um but yeah uh that's gonna do it for the talking comics podcast i'm not sure what we're doing next week but obviously in two weeks it's uh avengers age avengers of ultron time. Yeah, avengers age of ultron time so we'll make sure to talk about that bob and i much like uh the first avengers movie are going to see it together um but much earlier than <laughs> Yes. Oh, four hours earlier than the last time we saw yeah, it. That was, it was tough. It was tough. But, but we was, did get a nice poster. We did. We got yeah. a nice poster. It was worth it. Yeah. <laughs> it was totally worth it. Um, and uh, yeah, that's going to do it for this week's show. So for Steve. See you next week. And Bob. Get home safe, Steph. I have been Bobby. Until next time on Talking Comics, to be continued. <laughs>